Okay, so Dead Among the Depths, session four. When last we left our motley association of kindred, we had yourself, Sonia. You were planning on paying a visit to Giuseppe Camino, who is a drug yep. dealer in Santa Croce, who you've been. You asked your uh, you asked your friendly uh, neighbourhood. Uh, Mr. Scarpace, the, uh, the the fixer, he said you need to work out a bit of aggression. He was like, actually, there's a there's a drug dealer who sold me some like shoddy merchandise. I don't want him killing or anything like that, but you know, if you could make it clear that that trying to sell me like shoddy merchandise isn't a good thing to do, that'd be great. Thanks very much. Yes. So he set you on with that. We know that Franco Lombardo was planning to head to a computer place that his contact had put him in touch with in the Rialto, and he'd managed to persuade the guy to like stay open a bit late so he could get there, and he was going to drop off the, the laptops that you picked up that had the strange sort of puzzle on them, see if the guy could crack the security on them, and Franco was also going to buy you some security cameras for your, your communal haven, let's call it. Yeah, and we, and we also had... Aurelio, who was interested in the the mausoleum for the architect of Venice, the man who was responsible for much of the the rebuilding of the city after the Great Plague, and is now buried on let's not beat around the bush, the cemetery island of San Michele. And Aurelio is found by summoning a sort of spectral gestalt entity that refers to itself as those whom God took too soon he sent out the spectre who investigated determined that it was unable to find any evidence of the architect existing as an unquiet spirit but it located that there was a mausoleum dedicated to him built on San Michel okay and we are currently, I believe, let's see where we are. So I believe currently we are on the 3rd of January, which, in case you're interested, is a Thursday. Sorry, a Tuesday. And it'll teach me to keep up with uh, what the dates were in 2012. So... Before we do anything else, let's have each of you make a rouse roll as you rise in the evening to see what your hunger be like. Okay, so if you've got zero successes, I believe we established that it automatically increases your... It, it do, it do, John. Damn! It's been doing that, it's been doing that for me for a couple of sessions now. Aurelio is the thirstiest bastard. Yeah, he's, he's really thirsty for that corpse sludge. That's it, man. He's thirstier than a superhero fan on Twitter, man. That's how thirsty he is. <laughs> okay. The, as you all awake for the evening, it's a, a waxing gibbous moon in the sky shining down over the gently rippling waters that form the many canals and byways of Venice. So, you guys wake up in the evening, Aurelio, you probably wake up 
feeling a little bit parched, like hunger sort of scratching away at your throat a little. You're feeling a little bit raw around the edges. Franco, you're feeling absolutely fine. You know, there's always a little bit of hunger present because you are a kindred and that is your curse. But you don't feel too bad. It's about as low as it can be for a kindred without fully like draining the life out of someone. Sonia, you're feeling a little bit hungry, but you're not too bad. Uh, I plan to solve that problem shortly. I was going to say, I, I fed up quite a lot yesterday. So Indeed you did. With the uh, party the previous evening, topped me up quite nicely. Indeed. And as for a few moments, as you wake up, Franco, you can almost still hear some of the sort of gaudy maladies that you experience when you're out with the the tourist anarch coterie the previous evening and you can you catch a faint sort of maybe it's a a bit of a lingering scent on yourself or maybe it's a maybe it's just a, a wisp of a memory but the sort of smell of cigarette smoke and booze and you know like cheap deodorant and perfume and running underneath it all like a a wine dark river the the delicious sweet vitae or blood of these mortals that were basically laid out like a, a ginormous buffet from which yourself and the others who were involved dipped in, sampled a little bit of, and then moved on. Well, yes, you all wake up, you're all together in the communal haven unless you wish to be unless you've bedded down elsewhere forgive me if that was the case I honestly can't remember is everyone at the communal haven? I am yeah okay, yeah. okay in which case yeah, you all awake roughly the same time uh, you notice like I really I was looking even a little bit more paler and drawn than usual which is quite a feat in his case <laughs> What time do we normally wake up? Have we decided that? I would say you you probably sort of... Well, do you know what? So um, I believe it follows the sun, doesn't it? It's, it's, um, it's the solar cycle. So what I'm going to do is yeah. I'm going to look up... It's only because I've got to get to this shop at R5. So I didn't know if I... So, um, in... It's winter, isn't it? In Italy, yeah. so... January. Oh, yeah, January, yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking oh. up the, the sunrise times. It's dark a bit early, doesn't it? Right, so yeah, so you're looking at it starts getting dark sort of around about half six in the evening. Alright, I'd have had to arrange to get to him a bit later then, wouldn't I? That's absolutely fine. You obviously we weren't sure of the exact times yeah. when we sort of sorted it out. But you would have known that in character, so you would have arranged for the appropriate time. So I'm going to say instead of, as we said originally, like half five, you arranged it for seven, which still gives you that half hour to sort of wake up and scoot round there. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so you've all awoken for the evening. Like I say, it's about half six in the evening. You all meet up in the the main lounge, I suppose you could call it, of your haven. And it's over to you, 
if you want to talk about anything or you want to head off and do stuff the ball's in your court yeah I mean, oh, really yeah we need to get you a suit <clears throat> yeah so did we already make arrangements as well uh, like franco did or for a suit not yet no we've got to decide what fits you right so i suppose that would be our sort of set itinerary item number one then yeah because Franco's we need to give them time to a, make it. Franco's going to need a suit a new one i mean i've got a, a, a new already, one but yeah obviously a new one. you want to make a good impression <laughs> and um where you go when he returns yeah i mean it's got to be some sort of uh rather upper class fashion boutique type place that's going to be open a bit later than the others i'd imagine okay well let's see if you would know of such a place so i'm going to say if anyone has a it'd probably be wits and investigation would be the default but if you think you have like another skill that would be more applicable like maybe streetwise maybe performance if you're going to a particularly sort of outray place whoever wants to what make a etiquette role. yeah yeah okay now franco okay so i'm gonna say that you guys put your your heads together Obviously, Sonia, you're used to sort of ingratiating yourself in the, with, with the sort of finer things in life. You know, you're quite adept at disarming people with your looks because they don't know. Obviously, you've you've got the the dead soul of like a a hardened mafia leg breaker <laughs> lurking behind those demure looks. And obviously, Franco, you're you're pretty well moneyed up and well connected. So I think between the two of you putting your heads together you can probably think of a few places where you might be able to go late and get a suit the easiest place to find one would be Canareggio, which is the it's the main was once the main route into the city but now it's like the main tourist area which obviously does have its downside because it's full of tourists however a lot of the shops there, unlike the more traditional shops, are pretty much open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because they want to get that tourist money. And obviously, a lot of a lot of well-to-do people come here, so a lot of these places cater to like fairly sort of well-moneyed um, visitors to the city. So you're like, oh, we want to find something showy, but also like expensive and classy. Canareggio is probably the place to go. Canareggio, which is en route to where Aurelio wants to go. So okay. we can either suit him and boot him now, or suit him and boot him tomorrow. We can make wow. an appointment today, and that way he's going to get the the best treatment. Yeah, the quicker we move, the the better, I think, because we need to give them time to make it. We don't want to be stuck in my uh, joggers when we need to go. Right, well, so I'll go get dressed, and um, 
will get you to the tailor. And we're just uh, swing by the old computer shop on the way just to drop off my IT gear. And then once Aurelio and yourself with the tailor, I'm going to go and deal with something else. Okay. Pop out for a quick bite. Wink, wink. A bite and uh, a little bit of fun. A knuckle sandwich bite. Mm, nah, more like a crowbar. Oh, oh yeah, 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 you're sophisticated. <laughs> Things have moved on. Mm-hmm. It's not like the old days when, you know. <laughs> I like some iron in my diet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, supplements. Okay, no problem. So, after a bit of sort of thinking, you guys recall that there in Canareggio there is an exclusive tailors known as Riolos, which caters to the discerning gentleman and lady. You've probably heard a lot about them because, as we know, the the modern iteration of Carnival is sort of gearing up. It's going to take place in a few months' time. But, you know, the publicity machine started rolling. And whilst the, the modern carnival is a, a pale imitation of the originator, so that it's been resurrected purely for the benefit of tourism, basically. There are a few places in the city, Riolos being one, who claim to have been in business since the, the originator of carnival, when it used to be, nobles and well-moneyed people going on the grand tour and one of the last places they would visit as they were sort of on the return leg would be venice and they would often time it to arrive during carnival and the idea was that people would go out masked and basically it was a, a night well more than a night in some cases but it was at least a night of debauchery and fun where because everyone was masked and they took it quite seriously you had to keep your mask on all the way through it the normal social mores and sort of hierarchies were sort of thrown to the wayside for for a few nights and people within as long as you weren't like killing people in the street or whatever people could like revel and enjoy themselves without worrying about the consequences effectively and that but it was still taken quite seriously you know people would wear very elaborate costumes both for the purpose of sort of uh, paradoxically disguising their identities but also you know if you're rich even though like you can't sort of tell people who you are you could show that you are rich and that you're well off with the cut of your costume and the materials that were used and some of these the places still open in venice riolo's being one claim to have been around since then riolos itself claims to have been providing suits and attire for gentlemen and ladies since those bygone nights is this is this a first for you aurelio mm. of, of this nature i believe so yes okay I'll let them measure you. Um, try not to hit them. I know how tailors work, yes. That's something. 
Okay. So, on the way there to the tailors, you stop off at the computer shop. There is a a slightly chubby guy with a beard wearing a, a t-shirt and sort of combat trousers. He looks a little bit annoyed and a little bit impatient. When you turn up Franco, he's he's like looking at his watch and he's like, he's like, oh good, I thought I thought you weren't going to make it. He says, you, you you're the guy, yeah. You you've got you've got some laptops. You want me to have a look at? That's all right. Yeah. Um, he says, Nico, all right. Nico told you I'd be coming. I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he told me. Yeah. Can't can't say I, I I like staying open this late, but uh, you know I, I I do own Nico one. You know, a favor's a favor. He says, but yeah, and I'm over. He says, I can't promise. I obviously I'm probably not going to get to it tonight. He says, um, I'll have a look at him tomorrow. He says, have you got a, a contact number? I, I can get you on, and like once I've got some news for you, I can give you a ring. I, obviously, yeah. I, I don't, I, until I've investigated, I don't know what the security's like. I don't know how long it's going to take me to get into it. Yep, I shall give him my phone number. Okay. And, uh, yeah, any information, just uh, yeah, drop me a message or give me a ring. Yeah, no problem. Like I said, it'll probably be a. Uh, is there any is there any sort of time you want, you prefer me to like contact you or? Well, yeah, I'm normally busy during the day, so sort of uh, once once sort of night time comes, normally things uh, start uh, calming down for me. So yeah, after work would probably be best. Right, no problems, no problems. Like I say. Obviously, it's not going to be tonight. He says, at absolute earliest, I'll, I'll get round to it would be tomorrow, and I'll, I'll give you a ring tomorrow evening. But like I said, I won't bother giving you a call until I've got some news for you. No, sounds good. Nico says that you're a man for the job, then... Uh... He says, well, I've got the skills to pay these particular bills, and like I said, I do have Nico one. He says, leave them with me. I'll sort it out, like I say... Uh, if it if I look at it and I'm like, oh, this is going to take me like weeks and weeks, I'll give you a ring to like let you know and see if you if you still want me to carry on. Because obviously, if you do want to take it to someone else, you know, you're the customer. Yep. That's fine. But if I think it's going to be a long, long time, I'll give you a ring and let you know, and you can decide what you want to do. Otherwise, I'll call you when I'm when I'm in. Oh, yeah, I look forward to your call. Right. Uh-oh. I'll probably speak to you soon then. And he sort of opens the door of the shop and heads back in. You see him like put the light on inside and you hear like a bit of stuff being moved around as he's obviously like putting his laptops down. Yep. Okay. And then presumably you guys are going to move on to the the tailor's shop in Canareggio. Yep. Okay. So you get to... You're following the the sort of directions that Franco and uh, yourself have worked out between you, Sonia, you eventually get to quite an old. It's like in one of the sort of old narrow back streets of Canareggio, which the main sort of thoroughfares through Canareggio are gaudy and touristy as you like, but there are still these narrow sort of back streets where some of the more traditional shops that are a bit more off the beaten track still exist. And as you start edging your way down these narrow corridors, want to better turn these narrow alleyways, you eventually see what appears to be a, a fairly small, 
unassuming shop. It has like a large sort of glass window front. You can see there are tailors, dummies, some with sort of like the male cut with suits on, some with like more of a female shape with dresses and such like on. There are numerous masquerade masks of intricate and fancy designs hanging in the window. And above the above the window there is a, a sort of large wooden panel that looks as though it's worn away and slightly chipped with time and as you peer at it you can see that there are the faded remnants of letters that must have once been exquisitely lined with gold gilding and it says Riolo Putinesca <laughs> Let's see what I've got to offer. Okay, Yanning in. One hopes that this is indeed a tailor and not a. Uh... or something else. <laughs> okay, who's adding in first? I'll go first. Okay, you push the door open. There's a little like bell on one of those springs that sort of goes bring as you push the door open and you head into this fairly sort of small, sort of quite sort of old fashioned looking shop. As you look to your left, as you go in, you can see there's like a couple of those small curtained off sort of changing areas, you know, the little alcoves built into the walls with a little curtain rail in front of them. And there are all manner of clothes on dummies and hangers and stuff like that, ranging from smart suits in the modern style to fanciful ball gowns, uh, harlequins outfits or carnival stuff. But all of them appear to be immaculately designed, even the sort of off-the-rack stuff, for want of a better term. After a few moments as you all walk in, you hear this old, this old voice say, "Yes, yes, uh, hold, hold on a second. And you see an old man walking out of the back of the shop towards you. He has slightly graying hair and a, a deeply lined face. He's wearing a fairly smart suit. Almost looks vaguely reminiscent of an old sort of naval uniform. And he has a, a slightly wispy white beard and sort of receding hairline and quite prominent ears. As he, he walks towards you, he appears to be squinting slightly, so he might be slightly short-sighted. He walks out and he says, Ah, uh, oh, madame... It, in, enchanted, and he, he he leans down to to kiss your hands on you. Oh, definitely offering my hand. He that very politely and demurely sort of brings it to his mouth and then releases it, and he says, oh, "Gentlemen," and he he holds out a hand towards each of you. Ah, uh, yes. Good evening. He, he shakes your hand. You see him sort of like 
he raises his eyebrows slightly as he feels the, the cool touch of your mm-hmm. your hand. Since I'm assuming that you've not put on blush of health, given your no. your hunger <laughs> <No>. status. <laughs> and then he uh, obviously he holds out a hand towards you, Franco, as well. Like, oh, yeah, sir. I try and keep my distance so that his eyesight hopefully won't detect any sort of. Uh... He says, he says, ah, it is, it is always a. A pleasure to to deal with special customers like yourselves. Uh, tell me, how may how may I serve you this evening? Uh, these two gentlemen require a suit, and uh, I would like a ball gown, please. Ah, I see. Well, you think you have certainly come to the right place. Uh, if it is not too, are you looking for an off the rack number, or are you thinking of something more? Custom made, obviously the certainly dope. tailored. Sp- splendid choice, madam. Splendid choice. Of course, that that will be slightly more expensive. I I only mention this so that you are you know what you're getting. I don't want anyone to think that I'm pulling the wool over their eyes or anything like that. Can I use my heightened senses, John? Yeah. What is it you are trying to determine? Uh, whether this person is in fact a human. Okay. I'm just trying to remember how high senses work, to be honest. It's been a while. I going to say, I think my stuff would have kicked in by now if he wasn't. Okay. Because he's got the uh, beast, sort of. Sense the beast. Okay, you... So I'm going to tell you both now. <clears throat> with Sense the Beast, Franco, you can sense this guy... There's something about him, but... He's blatantly not a vampire, because like you can like smell the beast in a vampire. You've got you've got that beast locked within your own breast. It's something that's familiar to you, and there's something similar about this guy, but like it's nowhere near as strong. It's like you're walking around with like a, a can of like Red Bull in your pocket, and this guy's got like a sort of caffeine sugar-free version in his pocket, but it seems vaguely familiar. Or vaguely similar. Now, I'm going to look up the Auspex one. Because I can't remember exactly what it does. Uh, Page 249, John. Thank you very much. 249. Here we go. Hide the they're all spectrating dwarf perception rolls if exposed to extreme sensations, maybe overwhelmed. Okay, so you will have to make a roll for this. Uh, so it's yep. wits plus resolve, uh, Sonia, but you do get to add your all specs rating to it. It's... Well, actually, I would have percent. Actually, yeah. I'm reading that wrong. It doesn't have to be a wits resolve roll. It's a perception yeah. roll. So what are you trying to determine about this guy and how are you trying to determine it? Because I'll determine what the perception roll is. <coughs> Basically, I'm looking at his um, heart rate and breathing pattern for his age. Okay. So I'm probably going to say that's possibly... It's either wits investigation or wits medicine. I think you're looking at. You could yeah. maybe say awareness if you wanted... 
But yeah, you make that roll and you get to add your all-specs rating as a modifier to it. Okay, which... Medicine. And one. Three successes. Okay. So you can tell that this man, Riolo Putanasco, does indeed have a heartbeat. He has a strong pulse. In fact, the thing that sort of you find slightly odd is given his his age and his appearance, you would expect his heart rate to be a little bit weaker. His pulse may yep. be a bit weaker because of age. Mm-hmm. But he has like this sort of strong heartbeat and pulse of like a man in his like mid twenties, even though he's yep. blatantly sort of he looks like he's knocking on sixty. And you notice that as you sort of now you're paying more attention as he moves, he's not sort of hobbling around like he's an he's an old man. He's like again he's like moving around quite sort of swiftly. He's like taking your measurements as you stood there, and he's he's chatting away. And I say he seems to have the energy and the sort of assurity in his movements of a man easily like twenty thirty years his junior. Now, we we are aware of goals, aren't we? Yes, yes. You are, you are all aware that a, as we've said previously, someone drinking blood from the same vampire develops these artificial feelings of um, attraction to them. And if a vampire feeds someone their blood, a sort of a, a thin sliver of their vampiric power passes into that person, and they become a, a sort of a bonded servant slash slave known as a ghoul, where they they have some of the vampire's weaknesses, like you know they might. They might feel a vague sort of whisper of uh, a vampiric frenzy, but it's it's mild compared to what a vampire experiences. A, a ghoul getting into a frenzy might be a bit angry and a bit shouty for a bit. He's not going to like tear someone's head off like a vampire might do in the grips of hunger frenzy. But they also only get a little whisper of the power, so they might be a little bit stronger. They they might be a little bit faster but it's nothing compared to the power of an actual vampire. But they can go out in the daytime, so they are useful servants. So I will say to him, so, um, is there no family discount? He says, ah, but of course family is an important thing. However, if, uh, as a member of the Putanesca family, if I've learnt nothing over the years, it's that the uh, La Familia respect the ways of business more than anything else excellent so i'm afraid it is our it is our policy to to not give discounts however you may be sure that my finest efforts will be lavished on the outfits that i will be designing for yourselves i will not these will be no trifles like I would give to tourists or I would hand off to my, my juniors. These will be crafted by my own hand and I've been I've been working in this, this business for over forty years. There there is not a lot I do not know about the, the fine art of sewing, mending, stitching. I am sure you will be pleased with what I designed for you. Oh, that's already most satisfactory. Anyway, I shall leave you with these gentlemen and I shall return tomorrow to measure for the dress. 
he says that that will not be necessary uh, oh, I appreciate the offer I have I have taken a visual measurement while, while we have been stood here uh, as I say I have been I've been in this business for over 40 years it, it does not take me long to appropriately size up a person what I would suggest dear lady is that I create the the suits and the dress and then we will once they are created we will will have you in and we'll make the last few minor adjustments that will make it just just so it's fine with me is there is there any particular time scale that you require this for i assume and apologies if i am ignorant but i assume you are and he smiles almost as though to himself i assume you are to be attending a large family gathering soon this is correct yeah Splendid, splendid. Now, as you have said, family is of course of paramount importance. Would you care to? Would you care to rest and take? And again, he smiles a little bit, but in a sort of genuine, quite warm, sort of friendly way. Would you care to sit and take refreshments whilst I, uh, no, whilst I go you. and get some swashes of uh, fabric for you to, for you to choose from uh, your. Your, your pale friend over there indeed seems quite famished. Yes. It's it's not as if we are going to go anywhere else. Of course, if, if any of you have a particularly particular dietary requirements beyond the obvious, I'm sure that most reasonable requests can be met. You have but to ask, as you said, family is very important. No, I have no desire to hurt your staff. That 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 is not an issue. My my refreshments will not be provided by my staff. That they will be provided by people of little import. Yeah. Then I would like her really urgently to hurt somebody. I apologize for. Uh... The directness, I'll say to the the master of the house. Well, uh, that that was not, dear lady. That was not the sort of a refreshment that we had in mind. I was thinking more of a nourishment for the body rather than for the soul. No, uh, I'm uh, already scheduled for a feeding. Thank you. Ah, very, very good then. Very good. Well, if you would, if you would care to return here. Tomorrow evening, I'm sure I can have the the rough designs ready for the few final tweaks, and then it'll probably be another day or two to to fully sew the finished items together. If that's satisfactory to you, that's fine. Uh, something in silk for myself. Uh, I believe either linen or cotton for the two gentlemen. I I, I trust the maestro to select. And uh, since you are going to such an August gathering, and I, I many suggest this as an option to you, uh, obviously your wishes are paramount. You are, you are the customers after all. Uh, do you simply wish for a, a fine suit for the gentleman and a fine ball gown for the lady, or do you, do you wish for something that makes uh, more of a statement? I, I am aware that, uh, 
at such gatherings the even though shall we say the 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 fires of family disagreements have have burned low recently i'm aware that there is still a certain competitive edge to to such family gatherings i always make a statement uh for my part i as i gesture at my cassock <laughs> i one could say that i am a walking statement so perhaps we might forego this and uh, allow me a bit of masquerade at the ball a, a splendid idea so i i was going to suggest if you if you wish to make a an elegant statement i assume you are all attending the, the same gathering since you all wish for for outfits might i suggest that you pick a theme that will be subtly reflected in all of your outfits which would make a statement that you're all there together as well as each of your outfits complementing the other now what that theme would be i would of course lead leave to yourselves after all you know you know yourselves and each other better than than a mere tailor such as myself. I believe, yeah, sorry. I believe the theme should be the moon, considering how many colours and shades you can get, especially off the sea. I was about to say water, so I suppose we'll count two votes for moon. Well, how about we say? Reflections of light. That's Excellent. You are the artist. Splendid. Well, as I said, if you if you call in tomorrow evening, I will have the I will have the the rough mock-ups designed by then. I will spare I will spare no expense working through the day tomorrow to get these ready with all the artistry my my old hands can muster and i'm sure to be, you to be clear be to be clear sorry sorry to be absolutely clear don't make another cassock no, no of course of course not sir of course not that has been an issue sometimes when I... I understand that thank excellent. you you are most welcome well is there now, now that our business is concluded, is there anything else I can, I can do for you, gentlemen, lady? No, just um, pass on my thanks to your owner. Ah, yes, of course. You are most kind. Well, so, I, the... I trust you have a pleasant evening. Thank you. Um, just leave the shop. Okay. Sorry, you were going to ask. Uh... Yeah, I was going to ask uh, just to confirm that the plan was that uh, Sonia is going to go attend to business, and yep. we're going to stick around for the the process. Watches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we have Franco and Aurelio sticking around here, and he's basically showing you all these different materials. Uh, most of them sort of like fairly iridescent, you know, so they could actually like reflect light and stuff like that. So sort of trying to find stuff that fits in with your theme of like moonlight. So he's showing you a lot of fabrics where he's saying, oh, we, 
we'd use a more normal fabric but we could accent it with this which at certain angles would catch the light and cause a, a silvery shimmer which would be reminiscent of moonlight shining on water and, it, and he's, he's giving you like the, the big spiel and the cell on all these different uh, bits of cloth so Sonia I presume you are heading Hello. over to Santa Croque I am Okay, I've got some business to attend to. Not a problem. So you head over one of the the bridges over the the Grand Canal, then you start making your way into Santa Crocker. And you, you will know without a shadow of a doubt that this is one of like the six sestiere or districts of uh, Venice. And you will yep. know, for reasons which will become obvious, during the 11th century, it was administered by a Hungarian nobleman and crusader knight, Giovanni. That's why you would okay. know about it. Yep. Um, member of one of the biggest Christian families in Hungary. The This is also the only district that you are legally allowed to drive a motor vehicle in Venice. And it, because basically off to the west of it is an artificial island called Tronchetto, <laughs> which has basically been made entirely so that tourists and visitors who come over on the sort of main road across the bridge that leads into Venice, they pretty much by law have to like park all their vehicles here and then move on into the rest of Venice and use like the boats and stuff on the canals. But you're allowed yeah. to like drive around Santa Croce and stuff like that. So as you as you head into this district, you start for the first time in your recent wanderings through the city, you start to hear the sound of motor vehicles and cars. You know that this is home to like the only bus station and car parks yeah. in Venice. Most of the tourist attractions here are on the sort of eastern part of the quarter. And a lot of tourist stuff is around here because it's it's basically the only place you can get to without having to rely on like expensive water taxis and stuff like that. And you would know as a local that way back in the bygone eras of Venice, actually there used to be a huge swamp in this entire area into the west of it, known as the Luprio Swamp. But when Venice was expanding, they like reclaimed huge tranches of land from the swamp and eventually that culminated in Tronchetto, this huge artificial sort of car park island, pretty much. Okay. So as you head into this area, like I said, it's quite touristy, it's full of cars, it probably looks most like a metropolis that you might find anywhere else in the world. Whereas the rest of Venice has its own sort of like unique character. And the further west you go into Santa Croce, the more the sort of uniqueness of Venice sort of fades away a little. And it starts to become more like your sort of standard metropolis, you know, like your asphalt roads, your, your cars, your bus stops, your, yeah. your tourist hotels, stuff like that. And obviously, unsurprisingly, it's also a haven for petty criminals drug dealers like Mr. Camino who all seek to make a profit one way or another of the seething mass of tourists that head through this area 
and you would probably know as a local that there's there's a bit of a sort of unspoken understanding amongst most of the people in Venice for sort of like minor crimes, you know, pickpocketing, a bit of like low-level drug dealing and stuff like that, where basically if it if it doesn't really like hurt the tourist trade to any degree, a bit of a blind eye tends to get turned to it. Yeah. Because it's not really like Venetians who tend to get affected by it. It's just sort of like tourists and it's like, oh, someone gets their wallet nicked. That's not really going to like dent the the tourist trade as a whole. So as long as you're not, not causing massive waves and you're just doing like minor leaks to play like a bit, bit like selling a bit of weed and stuff like that. Mm. A bit, bit of a blind eyes turn to it pretty much even by the, the civilian police force just because there's that many tourists coming and going that it's really not worth investigating all these little claims. So yeah, yeah. it's become a bit of a haven for these, uh, these are drug dealers. Now you've been given sort of directions as to where Giuseppe Camino normally hangs out. And I'm going to, since this is someone that you're potentially might be interacting with in the future, I'm going to throw this open to you. We know this guy's a, a minor drug dealer who's recently been trying to like make himself a few more profits by like cutting his uh, his produce a yep. little bit more than he might have done previously. So, what sort of what sort of place would he tend to hang out? What sort of like place might he regularly do business in or might he frequent? It's Castello, isn't it? That's correct. It's um, Santa Croce over in. Uh-huh. So I would say he's most likely hanging out um, near the car parks. Okay. And what I'm going to do now in a in a thing that um, I'm stealing off Johannes, the here he stole off me, and I probably stole off somebody else, as we did last night in Stars Without Number. I'm going to ask each of you three to come up with like one little thing about this guy it could be like something about how he looks something about how he acts maybe maybe like a bit of clothing he wears or people he hangs around with just one little one little aspect or a little point of interest about this this fella Giuseppe Camino we, we've established that he hangs around this sort of artificial car parks in Santa Croca we know he's a low-level drug dealer who was recently trying to like get himself a bit of a leg up and make more profits by like cutting his stuff. He seems to have like run afoul of some of the slightly more higher up criminals who aren't too fond of what he's doing. I'd say he's a bit ratty looking. Okay. Ratty looking. Okay. Maybe it's all the time he spends on near the water. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Franco and Aurelio, what's one other thing about him? You got something going, Darren? Uh, yeah, I was going to say he's he's probably had too much of the product himself over the years. Oh, so, so, he's, got... so he's been getting high on his own supply. Yeah, but he's got a bit of a sort of nervous twitch that's developed. And that obviously gets worse the more nervous he gets. Okay, nervous twitch. Yeah, we can do that. So he's a a ratty, 
twitchy drug dealer. Yeah. Who's a bit being... too hard to spot, should he? No, walk, walk it up. Um. Um, I, I don't know what the scope here is, but... Well, well was... just just try it. Worst I'm going to say, oh, let's turn yeah. it down a bit. I, w I was going to say, um, uh, your boy's a, uh, a ghoul or a revenant. How do we feel about that? I, I'm going to take that idea. I'm going to put a little bit of... I'm fine with that. I'm going to put a little bit of a twist <laughs> on it, though. I won't tell you what mm -hmm. the twist is, just to keep it interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but, but um, yeah. Uh, I was thinking, uh, like straight up revenant, maybe even uh, something that we could point to as like, oh, this guy uh, is uh, like an actual known quantity as far as you know our knightly society goes. But uh, maybe it's not apparent. I will, I will leave that up to John because he's got some secret ideas now about that. But, yeah. Indeed, I've got a few possible ideas as to, to what he could be. Although, as is always the case with these things, I'm like, I'm always like, oh, does this thing still exist in the current game that I'm thinking <laughs> of? But uh... Uh, probably not like in intricate detail. Uh, in any way, like the my whole point was that um, he's got ties leading from him, like yeah. further down somewhere else, because of more interest. Okay, that is absolutely fine. So, as you you follow the directions you were given, you eventually track down this fellow, this Giuseppe Camino, to the edge of a car park. As you approach out of a side street, Sonia, you see he's actually stood by a car that appears to be... It's got foreign plates on it, so presumably they're tourists inside. They've pulled up next to him. You can see he's sort of like he's leant over on the on the sort of window, sort of talking to them, and he's like leant in. You, you know, you recognise the pose. So like small objects can be like passed across without drawing too much attention. However, you do notice that occasionally, as we've said, he seems to have a, a twitch or a bit of a, a tremble to him. You know, like his a like is some of his joints also like twitch spasmodically. But uh, he, he finishes his conversation with the people in the car. And then in English, he says, uh, he says, well, you have a great time. And he, he sort of pats the car on the side and the car speeds off into one of the, the few roads that line Santa Croce. You see him turn around and he's literally holding like a, a handful of uh, euros notes in his hand and he's sort of like flicking through them then he like puts them in his pocket with his jacket he gives another little a little twitch and he uh, he starts sort of heading off I shall head towards him yeah he he doesn't seem to react as you're walking to as you're openly walking towards him 
Yeah, just openly. Yeah, I'm tiny. I probably. Oh yeah, yeah. You you start walking towards him. He he genuinely doesn't seem to pay you any attention. He's just like going as though he's going to like walk past you. Yeah. Uh, As we're getting close, I'll just whisper to him. Um, A mutual friend says I'm able to get some things from you. He. He turns around, and at this point, can you make me a... Let me just see if you've got a relevant skill. Yep, can you make me a Wits Occult roll? Okay, two successes. As he turns towards you, for a moment, you just for a, just for a split second, for a moment, his his eyes appeared to go dark as though the black part of his eyes had sort of grown to like completely cover the whites of his eyes. They're like entirely black, but it's literally for a moment, and then he blinks, and they look perfectly normal. And right. he he looks over again. He sort of gives a bit of a twitch, and he says, "And what what is it you want?" powder he, he twitches again and says uh, well if you've got the money I've probably got what you want well let's just keep moving before the police turn up there's a couple around the corner alright before, before we go anywhere though let, I mean, don't mind me saying this you can't be too careful in my line, line of business <laughs> let, 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 let's see the, the colour of your money I'll, I'll just hold out a roll of money yeah you just like pull out a roll of money and he's like yeah that'll do it and he says right where do you want to go uh just around the back here away from the powder it's not meant to be he said he says hey i just provide it what you choose to do with it. it's not my business oh it's for a party of foreigners it's fine <laughs> right right lead on and he yeah, I'll, I'll lead him round the back and away and follows after him into a secluded spot. Yeah, F- follows along with you. And he, at which point he he takes out effectively like a small baggie of white powder from like the inside of his one of the inside pockets of his coat. Yeah, and he sort of holds it out to you between his two fingers. I look like I'm going to pass the money over, but I'm going to grab his hand and just squeeze with the potents. Okay, now, obviously we're not technically in a combat here. You've got him entirely by surprise. In terms of your potents, I can see you've got a lethal body. So basically, how much much sort of hurt are you trying to put on this guy? You're trying to break his arm? Are you just trying to like? I, I'm I'm literally trying to break his hand. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try and break as many bones as possible. Okay. Yeah. So you, you, you start squeezing his wrist, and you actually feel the the bones start to creak inside his arm, and then you start to feel them like fracture underneath your your vice like grip as you squeeze with this this supernatural yep. potence. However. The, the guy, although he twitches a little bit, he doesn't scream or anything. He doesn't make any sound. 
Well, and eventually you, you carry on squeezing, presumably. You hear... Yes, mate. You hear a sort of cracking sound, and you're pretty sure you've just broken his wrist. And that, yep. at that point, he utters a sound, and he says, that's going to be inconvenient. But even worse, I'll take your legs. Yeah, that'd probably... probably set me out of business for a night. Why are you cutting product? Well, he sort of looks at you like you're a bit simple, to be honest. He's like, well, to make more money, obviously. But the people that actually run this town, they don't appreciate you cutting anything. He's like, he's like, he's like, listen, listen, love. I, I, and, he, and you're still sort of holding his hand, which is sort of flopping around like bonelessly. Yeah. He's like, look, I can tell you've got some super secret special sauce, and you're obviously quite capable of putting the hurt on somebody. So, so, so I'm, I'm saying that I'm impressed. You've got all this strength in a in a cute little tiny package. That's that's great. He says, but look, let me tell you something about the people who run this town. He says, all they're interested in is getting a big piece of the pie for themselves and I don't see any reason why I shouldn't carve myself off a nice little slice of that pie for myself what I'm doing doesn't really do any harm to their business after what I mostly sell to tourists who don't know shit all about what they're getting so if I if I cut the powder down a bit and I make three sales instead of one I get three times the money it's mostly going to tourists who the fuck are they going to complain to? What are they going to do? Go to the police and say, oh, this, this like low-level drug dealer I was dealing with ripped me off with these illegal drugs I was buying. And to be honest, most of them don't even know the fucking difference anyway. They they, they snort it. They, they're probably drinking a load at the same time. They get a bit high, a bit happy, a bit giggly. They have a bit of a bit of a drink, a bit of fun times. Everyone's happy. I get my three sales. I'm happy. Who's hurt by it? Is that is that was above? Is that to, to be honest, love? Is that if you're looking for, if you're looking for a villain, or someone to take your anger out on, like I'm not even the I'm not even in the same pond as like the real villains in this this place. Is like you'd be far better served taking out your anger on somebody else. He's like, look, I'm just a simple man trying to make his way in the world, trying to make as much money as I can so I can live as comfortably as I can. And really, when we look at it, what harm am I doing to anybody? I'm just going to start hitting him. <laughs> yeah, not a problem. He, he, does, he doesn't really put up any resistance. You, you carry on sort of smacking him about and there's like cuts and like bruises are like starting to appear on anything. He pretty much like carries on like chatting to you between like you like punching him, and he's he's gradually like bruises are starting to come out on him. His twitch is starting to get more pronounced. There's like probably a bit of blood coming out of the corner of his mouth. At one point, you think you hear like a, as you sort of punch him down to the ground, you think you hear like a loud crack, as though like maybe like one of his ribs is fractured or something like that. And like after a little bit, like sort of the fourth or fifth time, he like picks himself up. 
off the floor. You notice he's like standing at a bit of an angle, like maybe his like hips not. I'm not going to let him get up, John. I'm just going to keep on hitting him. Yeah, he starts trying to climb up. You see his like hips looking a bit janky, but yet you, you beat him back to the ground again, and he's like literally like as you're smacking him, and his voice is starting to sound a bit distorted now. It's like his jaws like mashed up, and he's like, oh, I, I, I take it you just look into like to pound someone. Oh, I'm just going to stomp on him now. Okay. Yep. You stomp on him. You stomp on him. After a while, he he stops talking. Then, after a few minutes, he sort of looks up at you, and this time you notice like a, a look of panic come onto his face, and he lets out an ear-piercing scream as though suddenly he's like feeling all the pain of his injuries, and then he, in a in a quite a different voice. He starts sort of babbling, and he's like, "What, what, what am I doing here?" As he's sort of like flopping around like a gutted fish, like blood like leaking out of all these injuries. And he looks quite bewildered. All of a sudden. What? So. I've probably broken a few ribs. Yeah, you think you've fractured a couple of his ribs. I've definitely fractured his pelvis. His pelvis is fractured. You've definitely broken his wrist. Um, one, yeah. of, one of his arms is sort of, the elbow sort of like bent at a bit of an angle. He, he, yeah. He's not he's not looking too clever, to put it mildly. Although you do notice he seems to have stopped. Bizarrely, he seems to have stopped twitching. And I'm I'm just going to walk away. As you walk away, he sort of calls after you in a, in again a voice that doesn't sound like the guy you were talking to a few moments ago, and he's yeah. and he's like, "Look, I don't, I don't know who you are or why you've done this, but, but, but please, could call an ambulance. I, I'm injured. Somebody, somebody, help me, somebody." I'm going to go and knock him out. Yep, you head back, <laughs> knock him out, and. Uh, hmm. How close is the nearest canal without being seen? It's it's a, it's pretty far away because obviously you're in the district that's got all the yeah, roads. Yeah. And you just sort of like stood over this this fellow sort of going like, can I make it to a canal and dump him in before anyone like sees me? When just over your your right shoulder you hear the voice of Giuseppe Camino say, Well, that was pretty impressive. Sorry. You're stood over the, the broken body on the floor and from over yep. your shoulder you hear the voice of Giuseppe Camino still sounding calm as ever say, well, got to give it to you, that was pretty impressive. I'll turn to look at this voice. You turn to look, there is nobody there. From oh, seemingly from thin air, you hear the voice again say, "Well, I think he's done for." Absolutely right. Still, I'm sure you'll have fun finding another house. 
perhaps but if it's any if it's any comfort to you i'll ha it'll take me a while to find another host i'll have to reset up my business remake all my contacts so if it, if it makes you feel any better you have inconvenienced me when i figure it out i'll kill you why you've annoyed me still it seems it seems to me uh, a poor reason to, to to kill someone simply because they they've annoyed you without even without even trying to to get along with them after after all i've been i've been in venice for for quite some time i i've generally found in terms of business it's better to not make enemies so i generally try and avoid it okay i might i might have miscalculated how annoyed some people were going to be with my business practices but again seems a poor reason to kill somebody not really well as you say if i if i can't dissuade you of the fact that there's not a great deal i can do about it so true Well, I'll make certain to look out for you. Well, of course. Uh, and if if you're dead set on making an enemy of someone who can walk around invisibly and uh, doesn't have to sleep half the day away and like yourself, uh, who, who am I to, to point out the potential foolishness of that that action? You talk a lot. That's what's annoying. Wow, Unfor unfortunately, uh, a, a rather beautiful and uh, aggressive young woman has uh, deprived me of the ability to to physically interact with people and really do anything but talk. It, it wasn't my choice, but you know we have to deal the hand we're dealt. You know, I might be able to help you. In what sense, sir? Has my, uh, has my annoying banter dissuaded you from your need to, to consign me to oblivion? Currently. Well, I, I do hope so. As I've said, I've always thought it was, it was better to make friends and business acquaintances than enemies. After all, surely even your kind long-lived as you are must appreciate that in a life as long as yours why would you want to make unnecessary enemies and inconvenience yourself now oh, okay i'll i'm perfectly willing to let bygones be bygones you've you've given me a slap on the wrist and i will amend my business practices once i start up again accordingly that's all you had to say well but that's that's fair considerate said that's why they have people like me if you're not I, following their I, rules they don't want you I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'd use the word people but I, I take your meaning 
Well, they are people. Mortal people. Well, yes, yes, we were all we were all mortal once, you know. But and I, and I can't complain about them. I mean, after all, I I, I do make my living off them, so and uh, in more ways than one. Right. Besides, it's sold. It, it's either a it's it's either find someone to possess within a, a reasonable amount of time. Or you're going to get drawn down into the maze down below, and well, I don't fancy that. If you're, uh, to to be honest, so I won't annoy you any further. I I can already feel it start to tug me, so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take my leave now and go and start looking for another, another suitable home. Well, when you find one, maybe we can talk. Sounds you delightful. have my word. We will talk. Okay. Um, is there any way I could I can get in touch with you? I'll give him the number of a burner phone, John. Yeah, absolutely. You will have no problem getting a burner phone. Yeah, you give him the number of a burner phone, and he says, uh, he says, yes, yeah, so, he says, I've, I've got to admit, uh, the whole sort of a that was sort of a tiny, beautiful woman, but with infinite cosmic power. I'm, I, I, I kind of like the look. I can I can see what you're going for. I might uh, might consider that myself when I'm a uh, when I'm looking for a new vehicle. Anyway, I've got to get going. Like I say, I can I can feel it tugging me. I'll um I'll see you soon. And as you say that, like, the voice mm. starts getting like fainter and fainter. Like the presence is like receding from you, and eventually go it disappears. And, I'm gonna go and kill the person, and then use ashes to ashes on it. Yeah, not a problem. You kill the person, and with your... It's Oblivion, isn't it? Yeah, it's... Uh, hold on a second, I'm looking at it at a minute. And I believe that gets you a stain. One rouse check. Um, stamina and Oblivion versus Stamina and Medicine or Fortitude. Okay, we, we've pretty much got like, an unlimited amount of time, so I'm willing to say it succeeds. How does it work yeah. in terms of... Johannes, because you do this more than anyone else. How does it work in terms of getting a stain? If you um, <clears throat> roll for the thing, um, okay. ones and tens on the roll uh, give you a stain. Okay, so we will have you make a roll. You're not going to fail. You should see yep. if you get any of the like, ones and tens. Okay, so where do you think? That's a stamina and oblivion. Yep. And basically, if you fail the roll, we'll say you still do it. It just takes you a lot longer. No. Okay. No, so you're good. Or possible best to fail. No. What's the uh, symbol for the critical fail? The, the, the skull is a one, I believe. And the... Uh, oh, yeah, because... The sword, yeah, yeah, the sword yeah. is a ten. It, it is because it says potential bestial failure, and that happens when you've got yeah. a one, and maybe you... So, so, so is, it, is it a stain for each, or is it just one stain? Uh, it's, it's the one, one stain, yeah. Okay, so you get a stain which we're marking as a sort of dash on your humanity. That's that alright, I have just hideously murdered somebody. I've just put that on there for you. Indeed, you have. So, you're pretty much guaranteed to get a stain anyway. But, um, yeah, you... You finish this person off, you call forth the powers of oblivion, 
and almost like one of those uh, stop motion films of like plants or fruit rotting away time is briefly and this forces of decay are sped up on this body it quickly withers and falls away in the best of a hammer horror movie dracula tradition falls in on itself and reduces to a handful of dust that blows away on the gentle night wind of venice and then um call up my man and say considering warned you call up uh, Scarpace, and he's like, he's like, great, glad, glad to hear it, glad to hear it. Uh, you made it clear that I don't want any more of this, uh, this funny business going I made on. made it crystal clear. Lovely, lovely. Well, hopefully he'll take the, Camino will take the message, and we won't have any more trouble with him. I mean, after all, he does bring a fair amount of money into the operation, but he's just got to learn. But you know, if yep. you're if you're going to be part of a, a well-oiled machine like ours is, well, like, you've got I would to imagine that this is his first warning. He's going to go to ground for a little while. Quite possibly, but let's hope when he pops his head above the water again, he'll have he'll have learned the most important lesson of doing business in Venice that you've got to pay your dues. Pay or die. Quite right. Quite right. Well, thanks very much, Sonia. I know I could rely on you to uh, to get the message across. If if you ever need anything, just give me a shout. You know I will. All right, take care, and we'll speak soon. Have fun. Hangs up. Okay. So what's the what's the plan next, guys? I need to feed. That's my plan. I was going to feed on um, the poor victim there, but no idea what was in their blood, so I can't do it. (laughs) If they look remotely like a junkie, I can't go near it. (laughs) Fair. Okay, so what is your your sort of method that you plan? Because we'll abstract this so we're not dwelling on it. What is the... What is your planned tactic for, for feeding? Like, How do you plan to go about it? My planned tactic is usually to find um, some form of BDSM service and uh, just order somebody that can be playfully beaten, even though they won't be playfully beaten, but they'll forget about it. Okay. So I'll say, effectively, you're, you're trying to do like the, the sort of scene queen style of feeding. You know, you're trying to find someone of a particular scene Mm-hmm. that you can easily feed on. So the role for that is going to be manipulation plus persuasion. Successes at four. Okay, that is easily enough now you said you're trying to find a service are you trying to find like a club or are you trying to find like an escort service or like an escort service it's a bit more discreet yeah not a problem you in the sort of seedier sort of area of santa croque which caters to all the sort of perversions that tourists might bring with them you also have an escort i'm going to get a clean they'll be clean blooded so it's fine you do indeed locate 
an escort service and you are able to procure the services of a, a young woman, a young gentleman, it's up to you. Uh, let's have a gentleman. Okay, not a problem. So I'm going to ask Darren, can you please roll me a D50? You may have to type that in manually. It's slash R space D50. Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. So the the person you end up with is a sort of late teens uh, youth, um, dressed very much like they're into the sort of BDSM like clubbing scene. Mm-hmm. They're obviously trying to earn themselves like a little bit of extra money out of the the tourists who are also into that particular scene. You arrange to meet up with them. They're not really surprised that you're asking for some like kinky stuff because, yeah, that's what goes with the territory. You yep. probably spend that a little bit of time to meet them at a club. You spend a little bit of time there with them. Yeah. You eventually head off to somewhere private. You have the opportunity to drink from them. How much of your hunger are you planning to slake on them? Obviously, two is the maximum non-harmful drink. I just need to do the one dot. Okay, yep. But I've so, got hunger too, I think. That would effectively only take three turns. Includes a licking the wound closed. You take a sip from them. They won't yeah. really remember it. Um, you actually feel a little bit sort of hopped up after drinking their blood. You know, they've been in a club. They've been sort of dancing mm-hmm. around. Their energy is quite high. And that's reflected in the the resonance of their blood. They've also probably taken some drugs that have boosted that effect somewhat and you if you have well, I know you have I know you have potence you will receive until your next drink you will get a plus one on any dice pools associated with either celerity or potence. Ooh. And like I say you're generally <laughs> you're generally feeling like quite hopped up on this sort of like high energy blood that sort of energy of like a night apartheid and taking like drugs all appears to be encapsulated in the resonance of this blood and as you you know like how someone comes out of a of a club and even like half an hour later they're still sort of like even though they've left the club you've got that sort of effect going on from this blood where it's almost like you can like hear an echo of like this this mad night of clubbing that this young person's had I'm also going to make sure I didn't do too much damage to them because I do have to literally cause them pain to feed. So Yeah, and normally that, that would have been an issue. However, in this situation, basically because of the number of successes you got, I mean, you needed like yeah. one success, you got four, you, and you specifically targeted someone who was expecting that sort of pleasure-pain thing. They probably did mm-hmm. make a bit of noise because, you know, unavoidable given the pain of the, uh, the Carter bite. But they were sort of expecting that, and they was they're sort of like a bit into that. But that's also sort of part of what's contributed to this resonance in their blood. That's fine. But yeah, you you part ways with them afterwards, and that's all fine and dandy. So while all that's going on, what are Franco and Aurelio up to? Uh, we're obviously getting measured up for the old suits. I should imagine that won't take very much time with an experienced. Um, it doesn't take long at all, and 
you've chosen the the material that you want and obviously before we get to probably like in a few sessions time where we're actually playing out the the family gathering if you want to pick out a picture from the internet or something similar of a suit you think would work for your character obviously keeping the theme of sort of like reflected light in mind feel free to do so and that will be the suit that Mr. Riolo has produced and it will be of exquisite quality because he is a master tailor which unsurprisingly he has ties to the Giovanni family as was now part of the Hikata the the Putanescu being an offshoot of the Giovanni family obviously they like they like to look like sharp mafia business people so it's not surprising that they've got a few sort of tailors on the on the payroll although you might be a bit surprised um Aurelio to note that it's a a Putanescu because they they've always sort of had the reputation as like oh they're the sort of they're the sort of a red-headed stepchildren of the uh, the Giovanni family. They're the sort of like low-level like thugs and leg breakers. So you you're possibly a bit surprised to see one as a master tailor, but and yeah, he he fits you up for the suit. He shows you the cloth he's going to use and the sort of designs, and then basically says, "Oh, again, if you come back tomorrow evening, I'll have the I'll have the the rough suits made, and we can do the final sort of taking ins and final tweaks." And then I'll just need to sew them up, and we'll be we'll be good to go. Cool. Um, has Aurelio got to go feeding, or what's the situation there? Um, he's got a, a plan to go to the cemetery, which might as well be feeding, because uh, that's kind of his thing. And uh, did you want me to tag along? Keep an eye out, or assist in any way. Sure, because uh, I guess at this point, like Sonia's going to be gone for a bit because she's doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So. Okay, so you're heading over to San Michel, the uh, the cemetery yep. island. Plan, yeah. Obviously, as is the case when it comes to booking passage over there you pretty much have to book one of these water taxis to get over there and they're not difficult to find because people are often going there to like leave flowers and stuff like that but yeah you easily book one of these water taxis and you make your way over there it's obviously artificial because it's pretty much this raised sort of square sort of concrete and soil island that is absolutely covered with various different memorials, gravestones. You can see that the island appears on like a very gentle, like sloping hill, so it's slightly raised in the centre. And you know that the more you go towards the raised areas, which are obviously further out of the water, the, the sort of more opulent the, the memorials start to look as though like a premium is charged for the the more secure arguably ground whereas the sort of poor people and the common folk they're sort of buried nearer the edges where the, the ground's at more danger from the waters and sort of a subsidence and stuff like that but yeah as you as you walk there's quite a somber 
mood on this island unsurprisingly as you walk like ghosts yourselves between the the gravestones you see every now and again dotted about there are people like laying flowers or sort of like grieving relatives you can also see a number of other sort of boats when you when yours pulls in obviously you tell your boat to wait for you which yeah they're fine with a lot of people just pay a boatman to bring them over here this hill wait for half an hour and we'll be back it's it's a pretty standard thing you can see a few other boats no doubt waiting for people to return to them and you you make your way onto the island what's the plan so i know the location of the uh the tomb indeed you do yeah so <clears throat> so all right franco we are going to first make a stop see about an old tomb and i'll start heading towards that now is it going up to the upland areas or yeah it actually seems to be heading like directly towards the like the very center of the the island and as you as you sort of get near the location the direction you've been given which is obviously some you know like keep going past this memorial or you'll see like a it's like a memorial with like stone roses on it to turn left there because like every landmark here is pretty much someone's grave and as you continue following the directions you're given you actually realize you must be like about dead center on like the highest point of the island and you see a large stone and marble tomb and when i say large obviously it's relative spaces at a relative premium here but it's it's quite tall although the the actual sort of frontage of it is fairly narrow because space isn't available but it's been built upwards and you as you look at it you see reflected in it some sort of echoes of many of the the quite sort of gothic churches that are built around venice you know the sort of tall archways reaching up towards heaven and outside of it is a stone statue sort of life size of a man with a neatly trimmed beard a bald head he's he has one arm across his chest like this and gripped loosely in his hand all of this is stone of course and marble is a scroll and then a couple of what look to be like draftmen's like pens or pencils coming out from between his two mm -hmm. fingers and then this parchment sort of like rolling down the, the right hand side of his body and he's standing there sort of very imperiously just sort of looking out through his stone eyes as though he's like surveying the rest of this cemetery island witness the architect of the city now looking about john is there um um it's a very general thing here that i'm mm -hmm. about to say but to make an estimation of everything going on in the scene here um as far as is this somehow uh 
relevant or resonant or clearly just indicative of the dark arts in any way like i um, i suppose what i'm saying is is there anything to decode um uh, make me a witch occult role around here yeah okay cults wits four four and successes. i didn't flip out <laughs> Indeed. Always a good thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So at first you don't see much. However, as you move closer and you're looking at this statue, and you can see as you look past the statue that chiseled neatly into the stone door of the tomb, mm -hmm. it says, Here rests the great architect Andrea Palladio, father of the city. And then as you your attention turns back to the statue, you eventually look down and you see that Although it's quite faint and there's a little bit of sort of like moss growth and stuff like that on the statue, you can just about make out, although most of this stone parchment that cascades down appears to be like overgrown with moss, because that seems to be the side that's facing the sun, you can just about make out that there's some sort of design chiseled into the scroll, but it's pretty much entirely obscured by this moss that's grown over the top of it. I'll, um, Fetch uh, a scalpel from my uh, suitcase, my little yeah, uh, briefcase rather, and um, sort of start scraping off some of the moss. Yep, you start scraping off the moss, and you can indeed see, although it is faded somewhat with time, there is a indeed a design carved into it, and it seems to show a maze, very reminiscent of the the designs that you saw hastily sketched by the the poor and perhaps possessed priest mm -hmm. Father Loredan. Very good. And you, as you look at it further with that amount of successes, you notice that as I've said, the the sort of loose hand where he's got like the two sort of draftsman's pens mm -hmm. coming out the top, you notice that the centre finger seems to be sort of extended slightly and is like pointing towards the maze on mm -hmm. the scroll sort of like that yeah. um the door situation indeed uh, what are we talking about lock wise or any barricade okay situation? there doesn't appear to be a lock on it the door appears to be made from a single large piece of like heavy stone and that, uh, yeah, yeah. as I say on the front of it is the legend I mentioned previously and then in much yep. smaller writing so you're only seeing it now as you're getting closer underneath it says born in the year of our lord 1508 and left us in the year of our lord 1582 well Franco What is your estimation? Could we open this? Are you very strong like Sonia is? Probably, probably not as strong as Sonia, but I'm happy to give it a go. Unless there's a a special technique to it. Well, I wouldn't know. It's a huge lump of stone. I 
I presume rolling it might be preferable, but... Okay, so I'm going to say if you if you want to get into it, it's going to be a strength athletics roll. Now, either of you can make that roll, and if the other is assisting, I'll say they give like an extra dice to their pool. So it's up to you guys who you want to make that roll. I mean, that's, that's, that's free for me. Yeah, I mean, like Aurelia was just presuming full on that like Franco was going to be more capable anyway. So he'll be uh, by default. He's going to assume. That, oh yeah, I'm going to be the the wingman on this. Okay, so if you make a strength athletics roll, you get a modifier of plus one, and I'll tell you, you need two successes to be able to let half this out of the way because it's a big old block of stone. Yeah, not not a problem. You sort of, you sort of grunt a bit at first, and it takes a little bit to get it moving. But once you've sort of got it moving, its own weight helps you move it the rest of the way. And with a sort of a fairly loud sort of like creaking sound, you're able to sort of roll this this stone slab to one side, and a waft of musty sort of decayed still air wafts out at you it's it's obvious that like no one's been in here for quite some time and as you look into the the small chamber beyond you can see that although there's not that much dust in there because no one's been in here the whole place has an air of having remained relatively undisturbed for many a year and you can see that despite the the visual grandeur of this sort of gothic mausoleum inside it is a fairly simple recreation of like the nave you might find in a church you know where the, there'd be the small sort of step three steps leading up to like a font only in this case the, the small sort of stepped plinth leads up to what appears to be the actual sort of stone sarcophagus or coffin of the great architect palladio and again the stone sarcophagus carved on the top of it is another representation of Palladio himself. It's probably slightly idealized, but it shows him sort of lying with his arms crossed as though he's sleeping atop the sarcophagus. Okay. Um, I will open my secret sight, John. Okay. And I will try to sense the unseen as we get the view in. Uh, the tomb now if I click this yeah that's that's doing the thing so um, let's see which one I'm doing uh, I'm not looking at or trying to knowingly find something that is actively hidden so I'm doing the other thing uh, okay so Resolve an aspects, I think. So that's a that's a <laughs> that's an empty roll. Okay. At first, you you don't see anything. However, as you peer, sort of 
more closely at the at the the mausoleum. Eventually, you start to a certain and sort of determinant something that only you can see a and there appears to be a a small amount of light sort of bleeding out from under the cracks in the stone lid of the sarcophagus mm-hmm. like there's a light inside and a little bit of it's like spilling mm-hmm. out yeah franco you can't <laughs> see any of this i'm afraid uh, franco do you believe in god I think there's something there. And as you say this, there is, to your ears only, Aurelio, there is an incredibly loud boom, like an explosion. The the lid of the sarcophagus, with this depiction of Andrea Palladio, flies off the sarcophagus. Obviously, you see that, Franco. The stone lid just sort of ejects itself off the top of the sarcophagus. Doesn't land anywhere near you guys. Just sort of falls onto the floor. To you, Franco, inside the the sarcophagus, you can just see what appears to be bones and the long decayed remnants of presumably this architect, like wrapped in a decayed burial shroud. You see no light or anything like that. To you, however. You, Aurelio, you see what appears to be a blinding light emanating from inside this sarcophagus. And as you sort of look inside, you see what appears to be a long sort of corridor leading down through the sarcophagus into what appears to be a long stone corridor that seems to move away impossibly far below the ground and you like know that the mausoleums don't go down that far because the island doesn't go mm-hmm. down that far yeah generally because you... <laughs> yeah and at this point i'm gonna ask can you please make me a strength athletics roll me yep you uh, and only you athletics strong uh here we go <laughs> okay you'd get one success however so it's not a best okay, well, but that's unfortunate for me <laughs> for you and only you you feel that as you're looking at this it's as though the light from the sarcophagus is actually pulling you towards it and you can feel mm-hmm. your, obviously you're like leaning back trying to sort of go mm-hmm. against this but you actually find yourself sort of like pulled like a few inches bodily towards the sarcophagus and obviously Franco although you can't see the light or this tunnel you you can see a radio sort of leaning backwards as though we're like against like a great wind or a storm <laughs> and you actually see him slide forwards a few inches and it's quite clear that like he's not moved himself because he's like and just being sort of dragged bodily forwards by some force that you can't see and doesn't appear to be affecting you in the slightest you're just stood there like yeah i think at that point he'll try and grab hold of him Okay, make me a, make me a strength forward. athletics roll. Assuming that obviously doesn't want to do that. Uh, okay, let's try that. Okay, success is one. Yep, so you find yourself steadied by Franco grabbing hold of you, and eventually after a few minutes, the light in the sarcophagus fades out, and you feel this force 
that's pulling you ceases. What was all that about? I couldn't see nothing. No, no, it is the sacred light. I... Franco, we may have stumbled onto something very significant and potentially very dangerous. And uh, has the light receded completely? It or... has. Just hold on to my arm, would you? Follow me. And I go forward. Uh, sort of taking one step at a time, holding one arm back so that Franco can grab it. And uh, I'll just tentatively put a, a hand on the... Uh, it, it does stay open. That There's no more movement with the lid. No, the, the lid is still lying on the floor. However, as you yeah. get nearer with Franco anchoring you, as you now look in, with there being no light in there, you now see what I described to Franco, the, mm -hmm. the sort of mouldering bones of presumably the architect wrapped in this decaying burial shroud. There is no sign of this sort of semi-luminous cavernous mm -hmm. passageway heading, seemingly heading deep into the bowels of the earth. I'll put a hand on, uh, I guess, some of the, the foot bones <laughs> just to see what happens. Okay. You, you do feel a a sort of vague sense of unease but like nothing remarkable happens at this point i'm going to ask you both make me a wits uh, awareness roll oh man uh, all this is rolling john that's it man very dangerous <laughs> you know <laughs> you know i'm I, up in this hizzle <laughs> I have seen the face of God, Franco. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me just uh, have a look at the old uh, messy criticals. Boom, 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 boom. Seven successes for whatever reason. Oh, that's right. This is the annoying thing that's not on my, uh, on my cheat sheet. Oh, well, I will look it up. Yeah, I'll uh, search the PDF. Two zero seven. Oh yeah, here we go. Yep. Okay, so messy criticals. So we're going to decide what you end up with. You could gain one or more stains. You could breach the masquerade. You could lose it up from an advantage, or you could simply go for a fail. Stains, stains. Okay, slap yourself a stain to, on that. Tied to, um, like, Aurelia doesn't realize it, but he is actively, like, eroding whatever he has left of himself by this sort of obsession with the supernatural, so. Indeed, and, and it seems to you that as you, as you sort of touch the, the bones of the architect, like, some part of, like, the coldness of the grave seems to, Seem to have seeped into your your very your own bones, and seems to like stay with you despite the fact that the 
the supernatural manifestations, whatever they were, seem to have ceased. So you're distracted by that. However, Franco, given that you're not distracted by like poking around with dead things, as <laughs> a as as a radio sort of leaning in, touching his bones, and he for a few moments he almost seems to like freeze still, as though he's he himself is a statue carved of marble rather than an, an unliving creature. And he appears for a few moments to be like lost to what's going on around him. You hear from outside the tomb. You hear two female voices that appear to be getting closer. The first sounds like a young woman's voice. And it says, are you quite certain? And then you hear what sounds like an old woman's voicing. Yes, of course I'm certain. Someone's been interfering with it. I can feel it in my bones. Very well then. Let's go and have... And then the voice stops as they obviously see that the stone has been pushed aside. And then you hear this crotchety old woman's voice shout, Whoever you are, come on, get out of it! Mm. And as the as the old woman's voice is now shouting and you've started to come out of your sort of reverie area, you recognise the old woman's voice as the voice you heard previously when you were in the, the home of your poor boatman and you were convincing him that his daughter had been taken bodily to heaven. I'll, I'll handle this. Uh, you sure? Yes, quite. Uh, and I'll, before I, I turn away though, because I presume they're going to wait for a bit if they're saying, you know, come out. Um, unfortunately you are incorrect in your assumption well i guess because the the old woman's like basically coming out it waits for like a nanosecond and then like pushes away in and the two of you both see this this sort of hunched over old woman wearing what looks for all the world like a, a tattered burial shroud and over her face she's wearing a mask of polished obsidian that is carved to resemble like the stereotypical sort of crone or witch, you know, sort of pointed chin, hooked nose, furrowed brows, but it's all of polished black obsidian. And you can see these dark eyes glittering behind it as this sort of shrouded figure like stumps its way in. So, and so looks around and obviously sees the two of you. It's not a very big room before the old woman has had a chance to say anything, you see sort of over her hunched shoulders as she walks in like you see a, a fairly beautiful young woman looks to be in her mid sort of late twenties, early thirties, long blonde hair, wearing a flowing white dress, quite a serene expression on her face. Walks in afterwards. She, she she looks a little bit exasperated as she's obviously like following after this old this old granny walks in afterwards but but then her, her eyebrows raise in surprise when she like, sees the two of you in there and that that's them you have a chance to to respond they're not immediately like launching into attack you or anything they've just sort of walked in and been like oh i uh reach into well, i suppose that's going to be in my uh little briefcase as well um, I produce my mask and I slide it on my face. So said mask is 
the style is in that sort of like beatific uh sort of statue idealized uh death mask of uh allegedly my sire um who was lost to one of the historic purges uh when folks were killing the harbingers and the cappadocians and uh it is sort of white marble uh streaked with uh gold uh and um i sort of i put the mask on to you know we're all showing our club cards right yeah. <laughs> so uh and i i give a bow Uh, which is to say, uh, this is my, uh, I bought two things and I combined it into one mask. Uh, and it's the white gold mask that I have, which has the gold mask and the white mask. Uh, and if I remember correctly, this is, was originally the mask of your sire? Yeah, this is the uh, the death mask modeled on my sire, who yet lives. Yep. Uh, but <laughs> it's the, the it's grand a, it's uh, a deception. Thing. It's a grand deception whereby uh, my sire is pretending to be someone far younger. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, well, maybe we'll get to that at some point. But uh, yeah, my my sire uh, has died and um, I have the death mask modeled on her face. So I have this like beatific sort of idealized um, at rest uh, face modeled on my sire. And I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that these two didn't see you wearing the mask previously no 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 i was uh yeah. all natural because i was i was being a priest of course so. yeah okay so as you pull out this mask as described and you put it on the old the old woman the hunched where well, you assume it's an old woman the mask mm -hmm. looks like an old woman but obviously you can't see under the mask the the crone i'll just call her sort of goes bloody hell the mask of sibylla i've not seen that for a time I try not to make a big deal out of it. It is, uh, after, after all, uh, pride goes before the fall. Well, you're not wrong there. And she seems like she's about to say something else when she's interrupted by an excited squeal from behind them and what appears to be a 14-year-old a girl with long, dark hair comes running into the tomb. Obviously, you recognise... Cara Salvati, although now she appears to be entirely free of the, mm -hmm. the illness which was mm -hmm. causing her such pain recently. She she runs in, runs straight over to Aurelio, despite the mask, throws her arms around him. He says, Oh fa father it is you. I I, I I didn't think think I'd ever see you again. No, I think it's rather the other way around. We might be seeing a lot more now. Or good or ill. I see you are recovered. Yeah, yes, yes. So the the, uh, the 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 two ladies, uh, Lachesis and uh, Atropos. At which point, the which is Lachesis, the the blonde woman bows, mm -hmm. and then which says Atropos, the old woman's like, so, yes, they uh, they they've, uh, they they've cured me of the of the disease that threatened me um, and although although it pains me greatly that I 
that I cannot see my father. They have allowed me to to, to look in on him and see that he is a that he is indeed uh, thriving. And uh, well, the, the last time I looked, he seemed to have he seemed to have renewed his faith and uh, was more devout than I have ever seen him. And uh, from what the the, the, the ladies tell me, I, I believe I have you, you to thank for that, Father. Your father is a man of many sufferings, and I pray that he is rewarded and given what he is due in due time. And from the looks of it, uh, his spirit is as strong as ever. I'm sure that you can be as proud of him as he no doubt is of you. But but tell me, you are now Clotho. Is that not the one? Yeah, yes, that, that's right. With the needle? Is, I am... Yes, uh, the, 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 the way uh, the, the way the, she sort of looks to the, to the other two mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the blonde woman nods and gives her like a go ahead sort of gesture. And she said, "Yes, the, the the way the ladies have uh, explained it to me, they they've always been a, a group of three based on the, the 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 fates from the old tales. They they have Clotho is the youngest who is beginnings. They have Lachesis who is the the middle and continuance, and then they have Atro- Atropos and she gestures at the older woman who is the endings. Uh, and that, from from what they tell me, they." They they were once three and they lost, they lost their uh, their youngest member unfortunately, um, quite some time ago, and they were they were looking for a replacement and someone who would, from what they ex- they explained to me, someone who was young, and um, full of the fires of youth, but had also been acquainted with the the prospect of an early death, which obviously with. Well, you you saw how ill I was when last you saw me. Um, they they deemed that I was uh, amply qualified, and they they they've been showing me s- such uh, amazing and terrible things. It, it it hardly seems like it's only been a couple of nights since they they took me. I I've seen more in the last couple of nights than I than I ever saw in all my in all my years previous. And some of it was wonderful, and some of it was terrible and fearful. But I, I, I would not change it for, for anything. Uh, after all, what, what were my options to, to linger on for a few weeks painfully and watch as my, my, my body failed me and my, my father was unable to do anything, and he, he slowly withered away himself for for fear and grief whereas now I am I'm made whole again and a whole new world is open in front of me and my my father has rediscovered his faith and he he believes I've gone to a better place which in a certain sense he, he is right but at least he is comforted and he, he can move on with his life and well I, I, I could not have asked for more really I'm pleased to see you well. Uh, but I do wonder uh, how come you find yourselves here? 
the the old crone says. Well, we live here, don't we? That would be a reason, would it not? At which point, Lachesis, the blonde-haired woman, says, yes, we, we make our home on this island. As I'm sure you can imagine, given what this island is, to to those skilled in the arts, but who are perhaps uh, less encumbered by morality, this place is an obvious one for them to find raw materials and cause other mischief. Uh, in in nights long past, uh, the Marai, our group, were greatly respected, and we it was our duty to ensure the sanctity of this this island this and it back in those days we when we were we were three as we are now again but uh, our youngest member clotho is still is still learning but an hour our influence has faded over the over the years we've been two but we still cleave to our duty and we make it our responsibility to ensure that no one interferes with the the sanctity of this island as I'm sure you're you're aware being skilled in the arts yourself the the gathering of such relics and such a fetters and ties that bind can be both a powerful law to to those who are skilled in the art but also a great danger Well, as you have uh, discovered, me and my uh, associate here were drawn to a particular uh, grave site here. I wonder if you might know about the more perplexing attributes of this sarcophagus here and perhaps the remnants of the man interred within. At which point, uh, Lachesis says, well, I, I can tell you that, as far as I'm aware, Palladio, the architect, did not linger in this world as a, an unquiet shade. He, he passed on to whatever that fate is that awaits after this life, when you've truly laid down the burden of this life. The, the end fate cannot even be seen by the wisest of our kind. However... In the, from my understanding, in the days of the, the Great Plague, the amount of death that had occurred in the city, the, the dead were piled high in the streets. They, they filled the waterways and clogged them with decaying bodies. Disease was everywhere. Death seemed to, to stalk the street like an actual presence. And I'm sure you can imagine how that affected the the barrier in Venice. It was reduced to almost nothing. The spirits, some of them twisted by pain, by loss, by disease, by anger, were able to influence this world almost as easily as if they were still alive. The the barrier between the world of the living and the dead was shredded. 
in places it was reduced to almost nothing the sum of our extended family were able to influence the architect when he rebuilt the city and they conceived of creating a a maze-like replica of the city that exists in a space below Venice itself those spirits that linger in Venice feel themselves drawn into this this replica of the city rather than menace the city itself for although the the barrier has recovered somewhat since the days of the great plague it is a slow process and there are still areas of the city where the barrier is extremely thin unfortunately it was beyond the power of even the the most powerful members of our extended family at the time to to repair that the best they could do was create this this maze to draw spirits away from the city itself so that the barrier might heal itself naturally if one can call such things natural it's a trap for the soul to sequester it away i suppose i suppose you could call it that there there are those spirits who by various measures or particular strengths or drives can resist the pull of the undercity for an amount of time but if as time goes on as they become more distant from their history inevitably they will be pulled into the the undercity and away from those they might harm who still live in the mortal world at which point the the old crown goes yeah if anything it works too well well yes there is that are we speaking of another shadowlands or is this a uh, a thing under the water somewhere it it's not fully in the shadowlands but it exists in a another space i suppose the the nearest analogy i can give says the cases is it's sort of like a a, a waiting room where the, the the souls of the dead can can wait until they eventually pass on to whatever exists afterwards but the, the waiting room has been fashioned after the likeness of venice in an attempt to provide them with some familiar surroundings yeah, keep the soul pacified indeed after all as, as i'm sure you are aware the the strength of restless spirits comes from their emotions their anger their fury or in some cases their their blind incomprehension that they are indeed dead so providing them with familiar surroundings it was thought that that would provide a balm for their fury or it would at least cause them to not strive so much against their fate 
unfortunately, as a as a tropos had said, uh, it was uh, a daring plan, but not one that had been attempted before. And if anything, the the, the labyrinth works a little too well. Have I disrupted the design? No. Gesture and no. open. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't believe so. There are, there are places in the, in Venice that are close enough to the, the waiting room, let's call it, or the labyrinth, if you prefer, where, if one has the the correct skills and knowledge, one could, theoretically, physically walk into the labyrinth the the sarcophagus of the architect whose designs are instrumental in creating it is one such place occasionally when these places come into contact with someone who has been shall we say touched by the the, the world of the dead there can be brief flare-ups where you may catch a glimpse into the labyrinth itself but without the correct arts and knowledge such such flare-ups are, are brief however they can be sensed by those who are particularly attuned to the to the world of energy gestures at atropos this sort of hunched hag-like figure which when we sensed it, we decided to, to travel here and find out what was going on. Like I say, you were in no real danger, but if a person with the correct knowledge were attempting to enter the the labyrinth here, that could have unforeseen effects. So as we are, I suppose, custodians of a type for, for this island, we decided to come and investigate. But we are relieved to see that it is it is nothing too serious. Yes, I suppose I have stumbled onto your uh, area of interest following one of mine. Uh, we uh, we do apologize uh, and, and please meet my associate, Franco. Uh, he is a uh, reclusive type, um, very, very odd to our kind, no doubt. At which point the crone sort of looks over in your direction, Frank, yeah, all right, fella. <laughs> yeah, I'll give her a puzzled look. Uh, it is um, very clear in my mind that Franco must be rather puzzled by what we are discussing at the moment as he is not uh, in the family yet he is a like unto a uh, distant cousin um, he is to be welcomed and at which point the, the crowd says well you're getting an argument from me handsome looking fella like that yes um and she gives you like a quite a lewd sort of like you think it's a wink but like you can't really tell because it's under this like obsidian mask 
but you definitely see one of her eyes like go. That is definitely something that's never happened to me since. <laughs> Look at this guy. Check him out. He says, <clears throat> yes, well, at which point uh, Lachesis, the, the blonde woman, says, well, don't worry about uh, entering the island, although we make our home here and we are custodians of it. It was long ago established when we were we were set as guardians over this island that anyone is free to travel here. It is an island of the dead and for remembering the dead. Anyone, human, kindred, whatever, is free to come here. And as long as they are not attempting to interfere with the, the rest of the people who sleep here, we do not, we do not seek to bar their way, nor anything like that. Uh, we are we are only here to prevent disturbances, and I don't mean the, the accidental disturbance that you made. That's that was an easy mistake to make. Anyone with the art could have could have triggered that, and there is no harm done. We we will replace the sarcophagus lid. It, it is an easy mistake to make. For, for one of us as, as young as yourself but there is no harm done so we are, we're mainly here to make sure that uh, those who are skilled in the art do not seek to take advantage of the the rich raw materials that that are interred within this island yes well uh, Mayor Kupa um Myself and uh, associate uh, would be uh, departing, getting out of your hair. No, that, that is that is fine. R remain as long as you will. As we have said, if people are not interfering with the rest of those who sleep on the island, we do not attempt to to monitor or police people's comings or goings, whether they be mortal or kindred. Very good. I shall have to uh, come and see you more often now that I know that you are here. Of course. Uh, we we are spending a great deal of our time uh, tutoring Clotho at the moment and trying to get her up, her up to speed. But we are always happy to, to, to talk with the, the family and other kindred. Back when our our influence was and our renown was greater, we were we were often consulted by scholars and those with an interest in the art. But as I say, we have we have been too for far too long, and our our grandeur is somewhat faded compared to to the knights of old. But we hope, and she sort of smiles quite warmly, looking at looking at young Kara or Clotho, as she now seems to be called. We have that now we are three again. We may once more eventually rise to those heights that we once occupied and the respect we, we held within the family. I uh, take my mask off, put it back in the uh, briefcase and say, Oh, will we be seeing you at the uh, gathering? Yes, we we have been invited, and we we intend to present Clotho to the to the rest of the family. Uh, I I know that we we don't follow any formalized traditions of 
presentation like some of the the, the once great kindred societies but uh, we still believe it's of benefit for, for Clotho to get to know her extended family and for them to know her particularly in in these troublesome nights we shall look forward to uh, meeting you again then which point uh, the, the crone says oh we shall I take it you're uh, your handsome friends coming along to the uh, the family meeting then he is but he is to be unmolested during the duration of the the gathering as he is unmolested he's, he's, he's young enough to be my grandson but my great 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 grandson he is he is not of the blood but it was given for us to understand that the uh the extended family is welcome and yeah yeah as that's such, right as such he uh he should be given a moderately warm welcome. Which, when the crown sort of suddenly turning a little bit more serious, says, uh, "Well, yes, and obviously, I'm, I'm quite happy for your for your young friend to to come along, as you said, uh, ex extended coterie mates are, of course, welcome. Uh, I presume you got an invite, the same as we did, but." Uh, I should tell you, um, I, I apologise for being presumptuous, young man, but um, I, I'm assuming you're one of the, the children of Nosferar. You would be correct. Wow. I would just say to you, be a little bit on your guard at the gathering. I'm sure that none of the family would attempt to having invited you would attempt anything untoward however when a certain section of our family let's say held sway over this city let us say that your clan did not always receive a very warm welcome in venice there and she sort of leans in a bit sort of conspiratorially and her voice lowers a little bit in fact Back back when I was much younger, uh, before many sad things happened, but I won't go into that. There, back in my younger days, there there used to be a great, a great I suppose gathering you could say of, of your clan, who lived in this, this city. Many of them lived in the, the old flooded basements and canalways that run below the city however at a certain point the uh, those who were in charge of our family at the time uh, when when our family our clan went by the name of Giovanni and she uh, you see a face sort of twist up a bit underneath the mask at one point in time they decided that if you weren't of their family, you had no place in Venice. I know that my branch of the of the clan and many others were either forced to flee or hide. And from what I believe, many of your clan who were here either went to ground and disappeared beneath the waters 
or were slain. Now, men, most of those who were responsible in our clan have met their, their own ends and have paid for their crimes. But there are still some, some Giovanni around who may be old enough to remember those nights and maybe, shall we say, not not well disposed towards your clan. Although I personally have no have no issue with your clan and I think it's to be honest, it's refreshing to see the to, to see Venice once more opening up a little bit more to to kindred outside our family. But as I say, just just, just be a little bit on, on your guard. The, it's given our our family's recent reorganization uh, <laughs> rather like with the the sarcophagus there there is a, a tendency occasionally for old grudges and hardships to to flare briefly to life again but i should, i hope uh, that's not the case i should take it noted that i shall be on guard thank you for your your warning oh not a problem to be absolutely clear though uh, Franco, every segment of the family has tried to kill almost every other segment of the family. Ah, that's true, you, says the crone. I could tell you some stories. You, you will fit quite well in being on your guard, as everyone else is. Me being... Uh, what I am, uh, I, I already have a, a long list, no doubt, of my ostensible family. Uh, thinking that it's a shame that I got away and now it's not polite to kill me. So. Yeah, he's, he's not wrong there, says the crown. I mean, there's, a, there's many branches of our family that, that were also on the receiving end of it. The, the Giovanni's crimes and were forced to, to flee or disguise ourselves and what, as I say, while most of them have met their end as part of our restructuring and most of the younger kindred, whether they be a Giovanni or Hikata descent as, we, as we're now known in these modern nights so seem desirous to, to put all that unpleasantness behind them and sort of get along with the rest of the the family. I'm sure there are great swathes of our of our current clan who would be entirely sympathetic with what your uh, your ancestral clan members, let's call them, went through because we experienced it ourselves. I I was forced to spend a great deal of time uh, in in a place, and I don't mean this with insult, in a place that you could barely imagine hiding from my own family for fear that I be wiped out so it will be quite a night overall but let us, uh, I am sorry we uh, must really be going oh of course I understand well if you sh if you should have a wish to to come back and speak with us uh, Lakisa says uh, we are most often to be found there, particularly at the moment, as we as we chew to cloth out. So, normally at any time, 
at least one of us is present on this island. You are, well, anyone is welcome here. And if you do wish to speak to us, you are, of course, welcome. E either of you. It is good to know. Um, if we're leaving at that point then, as we walk out, I was going to say, um, so what was that that was dragging you across the room? It is, oh, I, I was asking if you believe in God. Uh, the next question might have been, do you believe in supernatural power other than God? It, it's all the same, depending on who you ask. Um, this was someone evoking something. It's it's the, the, the mechanism that they were discussing. Um, it's a it's a pressure valve if you excuse my poor wording <laughs> for the immense death that occurred originally during the plague it's a, a sewer for bothersome deceased folk um, so did you see what you wanted to see did you find what you wanted I, to I find I didn't quite know what I was going to see but yes yes quite enlightening definitely worth it thank you for accompanying me I would not have been able to shift that rock by myself and I would have had to resort to some rather unsavory means hmm. that's not a problem uh, hopefully you have enjoyed a little bit of a peek behind the uh, curtain of whatever it is that we are well as the, the old crone said I am young to this way of life and forever learning Yes, well, I, I really have to go and and eat. Hmm. Would you mind being on lookout for one more moment? Not at all. Just and and as we as we go, I'll try and pick out a location somewhat off to the side so that. You know, Franco could be standing there on lookout while I dig up a grave. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not a problem. You you keep a lookout while you you go to one of like, the poorer sort of areas. Yeah, Radio uh, digs up a grave, like a fairly recent one. Yeah, and here we go. Corpse blood hunt. Hey, we we don't freak out. <laughs> Franco doesn't have to witness that. Uh, <laughs> okay, how much so, are you taking? Yeah, I am. I am taking uh, two. Okay, yep. So as we said previously, obviously it's already dead, so you're not going to kill the person. But because you've only taken mm -hmm. two, you've not like damaged the corpse in any way that's obvious mm -hmm. that it's been fed on by a vampire, and you like replace it back in the grave and sort of 
push the soil yeah. back over yeah. it. And the, as the, the coal sort of dead blood settles in what remains of your stomach, you feel the the gnawing edge of your hunger start, slowly start to recede. And I <laughs> come back up, uh, like, brushing my hands. I wipe out, uh, like, congealed a bit of uh, gore from my lip. Thank you, Franco. This, you have been invaluable tonight. Certainly an eye-opener. So how do you find Venice as we... <laughs> <laughs> as we leave the cemetery <laughs> of weirdos <laughs> I guess we'll head back to the haven if we don't have yeah I, I suppose we yeah find out where Sonia's got up to how she's gone okay uh, at this point can I ask you both to make me a wits of Anna's roll Wits awareness. Uh, I keep doing this the wrong way around. No, was it? Well then, <laughs> that, that's fine. Five successes, surprisingly, is not a bad deal failure. Okay, so as you're both walking and you're heading back towards the boat and are really saying, so how are you finding Venice? You're making general chit-chat. You both become aware that a, that a shadowy figure, seemingly a guy wearing sort of fairly like standard sort of poor man's like clothing, has tried, and I say tried being the operative word because you've both sort of clocked him, has tried to stealthily like come out from behind one of these gravestones and he's basically like coming up behind you you can see he's like lifting what looks to be like a shovel and he appears to be like coming up trying to sneak up behind Aurelio and he's like with this spade you've both clocked he's trying to be stealthy but you've both clocked him obviously with your mad amount of successes like he's not yet realised that you've seen him so it's damned, but you guys have basically got the drop on him. So it's up to you guys how you want to play this. I want to say Franco's because Franco's clearly got the the drop on this guy. Um, I, I want to say like Franco, if you got something you want to do, you you go ahead because um, you're quick so on the draw. We're still in the graveyard. Yep. Did you say? Yeah. Uh, and obviously it's quiet elsewhere. No one else about. Yeah, you 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 were deliberately in like an isolated poor area of the graveyard so Aurelio could feed without drawing attention. Yeah. So yeah, you look around, you have a quick look around, just but obviously subtly, so you're like not giving the game away and you can see there's nobody about. Which is probably all why you've clocked made, this guy so easily. Yeah, all we've made out is it's uh a man with a shovel. That's yeah, he, much. he's got like a you know, those sort of like um flat cap sort of style hats with the big brim, he's got one of them on. He's wearing like your normal sort of like rough hewn like shirt and working man's trousers, but like cheap shoes, which you see all this with your like mad amount of successes. And he's he's carrying like a big heavy old like metal spade, like you might use to dig graves. 
and he's lifting it and like trying to creep up behind you obviously intent on like tonking a radio around the back of the head with it but you guys have clocked him coming probably you've seen him coming from like a mile off I really have spotted him as he's got a bit closer but you've both got ample time to like react to this uh yeah I want to pick um a good spot where particularly well covered shaded to not give away sort of main features of my face etc and just spin round and just confront him but like I say in a vantage point where I can clearly see him but he's got not as good a sight as me okay yeah you turn around you can now see him more clearly one thing that strikes you as odd is he appears to have like a strip of cloth over his eyes and as you turn round he swings the the spade at the back of Aurelio's head you can easily dodge should you wish Aurelio because you know it's coming and he's not like doing it with the superhuman quickness or anything he's just literally like swinging it expecting you not to have seen him yeah I'll, I'll you know get away <laughs> yeah you, you just sidestep it easily and as he swings the the spade at Aurelio he looks directly at you even though he's got this like cloth sort of bandana over his eyes looks directly at you Franco and he's like quickly my lord run I'll hold him off and do I think this is the same guy as before no no although he, he does also look a little bit a bit like a derelict and a little bit sort of trampy for want of a better word but it's clearly not the same yeah. guy although the other guy was blind and this guy does have something over his eyes yeah I'm going to walk over and, and grab the spade off of him. Yeah, he's literally like clanged it into the ground as like Aurelio's just like taking a sidestep and you, you easily just like snatch it off of it. As you grab it, he doesn't even resist you taking it. He just pretty yeah. much lets it go. I just say, uh, I'm in no danger. What makes you think so? He, at which point he, almost like he's, he's worried for you, he like grabs hold of your, your sleeve but not in like a oh I'm trying to assault you way, like as in he's trying to like get you out of here, and he's like he's like quick quick quickly my lord we've we've got to get you out of here they'll they'll they'll, they'll hunt you down and slay you we 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 have we have to escape we have to I have to get you to a place of safety. Where are you proposing that we go? He says I'll I'll take you to the other masters my lord. The other masters. Yes, of course, my lord. They, they, the, 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 the masters have, the, the masters have, have us looking out. Should uh, any of, any of you once more fall into the hands of these devils, and he like wags a, a finger in Aurelio's direction. Why'd you call me my lord and not by my my normal name? Please, it is my, my my lord. It is it is not for, for for a lovely servant like myself to 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 to, to speak with undue familiarity to to, to such a, a great lord as yourself. Well, I do not recognise you. What is your name? At which point I turn to my handy random name generator. Because that's how we do. And I've obviously got no idea who this bloke is. No. No. 
at which point he tells you that his name is Severino Agrello. Yes, my lord, it is it has been the the honour of my of my family to serve great lords such as yourself for for, 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 for many many years. Um I still feel that you may have me mistaken for someone else. No, I I I, I, I may be I may be blind to my lord uh, through the through the blessings of the, the, the great masters such as yourself, I I see more clearly now than than I once did, and we we have passed down the the ancient stories of our families when the when the great masters previously were were set upon by such devils and were were very nearly wiped out, only a handful of them surviving, hiding and rebuilding their strength. But those of us who remained loyal, we. We we continued to serve the, the the great masters, and they 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 told us yes that if if ever we if ever we saw any of their kind fall into the the, the clutches of these devils, and again he like wags a finger in Aurelio's direction, that uh, we we were to set them free and to to convey them to a place of safety with 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 the other great masters like yourself, uh, Malo. And he sort of bows a little bit. Uh and I assume my sense of the beast is not like, tingling. Again, you're sensing, you're sensing a faint sort of echo in this this fellow, but it's it's nowhere near as strong as a kindred. You might assume that maybe he's a ghoul or something similar. He's obviously got some sort of low level of like supernatural fluence in him, but it's nowhere near like a full vampire. But you say he might be a slightly empowered ghoul servant of another vampire or something similar. Well, maybe we should go to uh, this place you talk of and see if we can get yeah. to the bottom of this. He's still sort of like gently like tugging at your sleeve, but obviously like, he's, he's not got the strength to like make you go anywhere you don't want to go. But he's like, yeah, yeah. yes, my lord, quickly, I must, I must get you to a place of safety. I must take you to the other, sir. We, we, we must escape before this, this, this devil. And again, he sort of waves his hand in Aurelio's direction, turns his dark magics upon you and seeks to slay you, my lord. And he's like... So I'll start to go with him, but I'll I'll give uh, the signal like sort of follow. I'll put my hand behind the guy's back and sort of <laughs> you know follow me, please. <laughs> okay, not a problem. So you're sort of being led away by this strange sort of blind vagabond who sort of like seems very deferential to you, like always referring to you as my lord. And really, presumably you're sort of following at a distance. Yeah, at a, at a sort of moderate distance so that he can't readily hear that I'm coming. Okay, so while that's going on, I'm going to jump back over to Sonia. What's Sonia up to? I'm just going back to the um, Haven. Okay, <laughs> In no the shower, problem. I've just beaten somebody to death and beaten somebody else for blood. So yeah, No <laughs> problem. You've been back to the Haven, you've showered. Obviously, all this, is t- this, this stuff's taken some time. Uh, after a while, like, the other two haven't come back to the to the haven. Okay. 
I shall give Franco a call because Aurelio is useless at answering the little box. Yeah, okay, absolutely. So it's probably not strictly accurate for timelines, but as you're being sort of led away by this guy, Franco, your your mobile phone starts going. If you, if you look uh, at it, you'll see it's one of the numbers that um, Sonya uses. Yeah, yeah, I'll answer it. Okay, so Franco answers the phone. Now, bear in mind, as you're having this conversation on the phone, in the background, Sonia, you'll be able to hear this like slightly panicked voice going, Qu- "Quickly, my lord, we, we must make haste. I must get you away from this devil to a place of safety." So, as you're having this conversation, you'll be hearing that in the background or variations yeah. of that. Okay, so and that... I'll make sure that Sonia can hear that as well. Yep. Okay, I'm so sort of trying to hold it away. So, it's... oh, he's found you again. Uh, yes, I shall uh, not be too long. Uh, I'll be heading home soon. Okay. Where's Aurelio? Uh, I finished our business for this evening. Maybe you can... um, And I'll try and get Aurelio's attention that I'm on the phone. So he, he like... That, wakes up and thinks hang on that's not difficult to do because i really i was like very obviously following you and trying to keep an eye on you yeah. so, so he'll see you on the phone and probably be able to hear yeah. what you're saying so obviously the conversation is to sort of yeah uh not alert this guy too much um so i need to come and get you maybe you should uh give one of the others a ring and right. uh, i'll see you home later speak in a minute and i'll sort of hang up i'll Phone Aurelio. <laughs> yeah, so because there's a setup, uh, the connection is established as he fishes it out of the. Uh... Yeah, there you go. Maybe you finally cracked the secret to getting Aurelio on the phone. You just have to have somebody else say, like, Aurelio, someone is about to phone you. Look at get your phone, phone now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll get it. Aurelio, are you in trouble? Um, <clears throat> trying to remember. Um, so it appears that there is a blinded man who, who is who's very intent on leading Franco to safety somehow uh, away from yours truly and. Uh, we are presently trying to determine where that is. Uh, it doesn't seem that Franco is familiar with this individual, uh, which... But Franco's fairly new, isn't he? Yes, but I thought, wasn't there a crazy man at the at the? Yeah, a blind the... one. Um... If a man... But this... Going by what the bloke was saying last time he came here, Master, you've got to come with me. Mm. Same thing. <laughs> is, is there any additional to that? Or... Um, I am the devil, it appears, uh, which is a great disappointment to me uh, after my years of In... devotion to Christ. Can you tell if it's a ghoul or not, Aurelia? Would explain the sudden it can, burst of speed. It can distinguish uh, Frango and myself. 
So I would so I would guess with a blindfold, no less. I would guess that is more than a just good guess from a. Maybe it's just the Nosferatu trying to protect the Nosferatu. It truly seems that this man is unhinged in some way. Okay, but what I'm, what I'm stay, saying here, Leo, is maybe you shouldn't get too involved. I don't think you can fight a nest full of Nosferatu. Oh, heavens no. No, I am not a violent man. Um, you know, feel, follow as long as you feel comfortable, and then I'll start heading in your general direction. Very good. Uh, and I'll just, you know, point out where we're seemingly headed, like the general direction. And Absolutely I'm going to text Franco saying, is this your family? I just reply, I don't know who this is. I've got no idea who this Maybe is. Maybe you should ask and make it clear that you want to know if this is your blood. Um, well, once once we seem to be leading somewhere... And I'm going to text blood in big capital letters with about five exclamation marks after it. Nice. Mm -hmm. uh, where is he leading us? He appears to be leading you back to the the shores of the, the island of Saint-Michel. And as you sort of get nearer the edge of this man-made island, you can see there is a a small one of these sort of like water taxis these like barges parked there although this appears to be like a more sort of traditional like old school like riverboat rather than the sort of more modern sort of touristy style ones and it appears to be sort of like pulling you towards that hmm. um i've i don't know if we've have we covered this before is there like districts that are more like not Nosferatu. Um, there's there's no sort of like Nosferatu district, effectively. No. Yeah, there's no different clans. They do no. intermingle to an extent, but are they more sort of prominent in one area? Than well, I mean, others? as we've said previously, when the when the Hikata were known as the the Giovanni clan, they pretty much like ruled the ruled the city with like an iron fist. It was like if you. If you weren't a Giovanni in the city, you were being spied yeah, on by the Giovanni and you were probably like either going to be encouraged to leave or you would probably just disappear. Whereas yeah. since the the clan have like seemed to have had some sort of restructure, you don't know the details, and they've sort of like reemerged as the Hikata. And seemingly at some point during that, like a lot of their sort of older members have like disappeared or been killed. They now appear to be like a little more open to having non Hikata kindred in the city, although clearly, like the Hikata are still the sort of like majority of kindred in the city. But okay, so they yeah. they don't sort of push it, it's not like the Camarilla where they they push it out different areas to like different clans and whatever. They they just seem to basically be like, as long as you're not interfering with their like business and you're doing your own thing, they're quite happy to like leave you to your own devices. But obviously, if you sort of, if you start, basically, if you start causing a problem to like the tourist industry or like the city as a whole, or their interests, that's when they get involved. But other than that, they're just sort of happy for like that kindred do yeah. what they want. I mean, um, 
you don't know to what extent they're being spied on because obviously you know from dealing with like Aurelio and stuff like that that they they've got sort of abilities that deal with ghosts that most kindred can't even perceive so it's it's quite possible they're still spying on non-Hecarta kindred without them knowing it but Okay, well, when we get on the boat, um, so there's just two of us, uh, and looking at my text message, I'm going to say to this guy, are we going to see my my blood brothers? He says, yes, I, I'm, yes, my lord, I'm, I'm taking you to the other great masters. And, and he, where, is, where is it we're going? He starts polling the boat across the waters and he appears to be heading towards Arsenale which is a it used to be like a big industrial sort of complex and since about 1980s there's been like um, a few there's like some architectural exhibitions there there's like a few art museums there it's basically being regenerated at the moment but, like I say, it used to be like a big industrial area, and there's a there's big sort of contained like waterways in there. Hmm. And like I say, he's basically sort of clicked on the wrong thing as, as I always do. Yeah, he's basically sort of like poling the boat in this direction. Okay. And why why have you only come to find me now? He, he says quite some time. He says, "Oh, it is a, it, it is not my, uh, it is not my place to question the, the, the will of the great masters, uh, my lord, uh, but um, we were told that, but by uh, another member of my family that uh, he had discovered a, uh, one one of the masters uh, being a." Uh, Held prisoner by two of the those devils. Our another member of our family did a did come and attempt to to free you from the from the stronghold of the of the devils, but uh, he he was unable to do so. The, the the rest of us have been on the lookout for an opportunity to. To, to free you from their from their grasp, my, my lord, begging your pardon. Hmm. I'm sure I'm not in as much danger as you think. By this point but in time, I'm... you've got to basically what is like a a large sort of artificial sort of sandbank, although it's actually made of concrete, but it's there to sort of block the extremes of sort of tidal pressure from sort of hitting mm. Arsenale and the your new friend for want of a better term slowly starts sort of slowing the boat down as you approach this artificial sandbank now obviously Aurelia you've seen them get into this boat and start heading away now obviously that, that's a bit of an issue for you sort of following at a distance what are you doing as they sort of get in this boat and they start heading across the waters, obviously in the direction of Arsenali. Um, 
I will not follow on the boat. Okay. Um, is there a location where I could sequester myself for like 15 minutes? Uh, somewhere nearby where I am currently? I well, well, well basically, on, on San Michel, they sort of went to this edge of San Michel, got in yeah, a boat, and then, and then they've sort of sailed, up, then they sort of paddled across to here. Yeah. So obviously, there's there's this sort of area of water between where you were mm-hmm. and where they're going. There's no real like solid space in between that you could sort of hide yourself in. Mm. There is this large expanse of water separating the the areas. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you're not exactly in any danger of drowning, obviously, but... No. <laughs> um, so... This is land? It's, and... it's basically, yeah, it's like it's like a large artificial yeah. concrete, like, sandbank yeah. to, um, to stop the extremes of, like, tidal yeah. force yeah. during high water. And... Uh... They're going around it because they're going to Arsenale. Well, they, they they actually seem to have just gone. They actually seem to be coming to a stop near this artificial sandbank. Right. I mean, I need to get to a place where I can uh, be on ground for fifteen minutes. So, I guess San Michel. Yeah, you you can be stood on the the edge of San Michel. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing in between, so you can see across to to where their boat is. And... Um, I mean, like I say, it's, it's less than half a mile away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think when I see that we're, we're going to that instead of the sort of mainland, I'll send a message, like just a text message to both, both Sonia and... Uh, well, yeah, I'll send it to both of them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, just saying, you know, we've gone to this like, concrete bank just to the north of uh, Arsenal. Arsenal, yeah. 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 Okay, so you've both got that text. Obviously, we know Aurelio is here. We know that Franco is here at the minute. Now, obviously, you've been at the communal haven, which is here, Sonia. Yep. But you've sort of got a bit of time while the boat's moving and after you've received this text. So where do you want to head to? I will head to get Aurelio. All right. Well, yeah, may, uh, if we organize that, then that's fine. Yeah. Okay. So you presume, are you like hiring a boat or? I will phone my contact. And call in a favour. Yeah, not a problem. You meet up with a somewhat less than reputable person who's able to like provide you with a boat, and basically tells you to sort of leave it near Canareggio, sort of about here. When you finish with it, they like just tie it up. Okay. And like basically ask no questions. But but you've got oh. it for as long as you want for the rest of the evening. Yeah, I will head over and get a rally over okay not a problem you two so Sonia heads across picks you up Aurelio in the meantime Franco the boat has stopped at this artificial sandbank and the 
the blind man who's been pulling across he he reaches under one of like the little sort of like you know that like plank seats that you have in these sort of boats he like reaches underneath the the plank seat and you see him like lift up a, a hessian sack and whatever's in it is obviously quite heavy because he like grunts a little bit as he like lifts it up and he says uh, he says well i i should give you this my lord so that you can go down to see the other great masters and as he as he sort of offers it out to you with the other hand he like pulls the sack off the object and you can see he's basically holding like a big metal anchor and he sort of holds it out to you um so i take the anchor and he says uh, would would you like me to would you like me to stay stay here my lord uh, so that i can i can convey you elsewhere wouldn't you have any sort of gestures at the water once you finish with uh, meeting the other the other great masters so he's gesturing to the water just just well, like outside where, where the, boat the boat is, is yeah yeah uh, do you do you ever do you ever join us oh alas no no my lord it is not for it's not for a humble servant like myself to 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 enter the the, the abode of the the great masters um well maybe um maybe you should get out of sight and and come back for me in a little while yes sir. very good my lord how how long would you like me to to wait before i return uh give it an hour as you, as you wish my lord and he starts he basically starts sort of pulling off the boat back towards uh, Costello it looks like obviously okay. Sonia and Aurelio you're sort of you're sort of halfway there basically and you see you see presumably Franco you've sort of like stepped out onto the the bank yeah I'm sort of waiting for my phone or yeah. Some sort of sign of contact so, with the others. A radio and Sonia, you see this this same sort of blind guy on the boat, sort of pulling it away from this artificial sandbank, and you can see Franco stood on this this concrete embankment, looking probably a little bit puzzled, holding this like big sort of metal anchor. I'll phone Franco now. Yeah. The um, boat's left. Yep, yeah, phone goes off. Franco. Yep. <laughs> I think you meant to jump in the water, mate. Um, it didn't seem the cleverest of ideas. I'm not going to drown. Well, I realise that, but uh, I don't quite know what I'm getting myself into, so I thought I'd wait in case. I, ima I imagine it's clan business. Well, it's the first time they've made contact with me, if it is since I've been here but I uh, obviously bow down to your your wisdom in these matters I don't think myself and the radio should come ashore that's probably going to be a bad idea well if that's what you you think so is wise we'll just bob around in the boat for a while and uh, you can go for a swim okay well I'll just hide my phone on the shore somewhere because I, I doubt very much that that's going to be a waterproof device. No, not back in 2012. 
Sony Xperia. <laughs> uh, and I didn't bring my little waterproof pouch, so I'll, yeah, I'll just put that somewhere. Okay. And uh, I'll grab hold of this this anchor, and I'll sort of step in where this guy gestured or walking. I guess it's shallow to start with, is it, or is it a sort of instant drop? It, it it starts shallow, but then like when you get to the edge of the embankment, it drops off pretty suddenly. Yeah, well, I'll just... Okay. Roughly where he was gesturing. So, Franco, holding this metal anchor, takes a few steps into the, the water, sort of heading down the, the shallow incline of the this artificial concrete embankment. He slowly sort of moves the water goes up to his knees and then as he steps off the edge of the embankment weighed down by the anchor he suddenly just like drops down into the water with a splash and obviously no bubbles and disappears below the the turbulent dark surface of the water and is lost to your sight and that is where we're going to end the session for this evening excellent Thank you very much for playing, guys. I hope that was okay for you all. Yeah, yeah, good mate. And obviously, we will pick up next session, which I believe is in a couple of weeks, and we will carry on from where we've left off with Franco traveling down underwater to see these great masters that we spoke about. Obviously, um, thank you to my wonderful players and to anyone who watches this now or in the future. Obviously, we're going to talk. We'll talk about XP and we can chat a bit about what you want to do next time. But again, just thanks to my wonderful players, and we're going to end the stream now. So, hopefully, we'll catch you for the next one.